What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Season Gaming Big Cast, episode 189. I am your host, Ainsley Bowden, joined by this fabulous-looking panel in front of you this morning. To my right, the man, the myth, the legend known as the Seven, Dan Rodriguez. That's right, baby. I'm I'm repping Travis. (laughs) Dying Light review today. Um, (laughs) I got a question. Like, if I if I unmuted myself during the intro, could I like sing along with? the opening music i just wanted to try it one time but like not say anything about it. it's like eh, i don't want to like you know screw stuff up but <laughs> maybe maybe I'll, I'll see what happens next week okay yeah. all right yeah, yeah great great oh. if you could create more work for me i would right. just generally appreciate that I, I, I would like to you know put some lyrics to the to the music <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it would good. be good just one week just mute the just mute the audio but play the clip but let dan just like beatbox the the actual music for the intro <laughs> so you know, i can do it every good. week based on what our main topic is and then like you know kind of you know freestyle yeah. Right, yeah. Dying light. Yeah. Who doesn't Dying want light. a dynamic intro? Yeah. You know, when yeah. they have the sitcom takeover and do something weird with their introduction, it's always a great time. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. the Simpsons, right? right? Every intro is new. Perfect. That's right. All right. <laughs> so that's a, that's a green light in my book. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Good to see you. Just below me, joining us as always, you know him very well, Mr. Ty Guy Travis. What's happening, dude? McClunky, and happy to be here, everyone. Exciting times. In the games industry. Don't sound too enthused. <laughs> I'm extremely <laughs> very exciting. Yes, and joining us this week, he is back after a couple weeks, and uh, very happy to announce that he is going to be joining us at least for a short a short term. Uh, every week going forward, is our friend, host of Virtual Legality. You know him, Mr. Rick Hogue. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm excited to be here, and thank you for the invite and and the card. I get my I get my name in the corner here. This is fantastic. <laughs> this is high production Boom. value. Yeah, yeah, Boom. yeah. This is uh, this is a temporary setup for this week, but now that we have a proper four person panel, which is what we've kind of been working towards for a little while now, uh, wanted to say a huge welcome to you, Rick, and thanks for joining us. I think that. As we kind of talked about, and for the audience who's listening to this and, and everyone in the live chat right now, good morning, everyone. Um, we, uh, you know, we've always kind of prided ourselves on, on giving you information or insight that hopefully you don't get anywhere else. And so as we look to create a four-person panel and try to find the right fit, you know, we had a fantastic show a couple of weeks ago with Rick, and uh, it just seemed like a, a perfect opportunity and a perfect fit. So uh, obviously we talked offline. And uh, we're going to do this for a while and see how it goes. But I think, if nothing else, we'll give you a gaming show that is different from a bunch of the other podcasts out there. Um, It goes without saying, we all know there are so many gaming podcasts out there nowadays. And uh, you obviously have a lot of choice. You have limited time on who you can listen to, who you can watch. Um, So, you know, if you've already been joining us, obviously a huge thank you. But, uh, you know, hopefully this kind of gives us that extra extra piece. that will uh, separate us from a lot of other shows. So thank you. And isn't, isn't it great how much content we can get now? Now, obviously ours is going to be the best. I don't, I'm not trying to undersell <laughs> our podcast, but I remember being a kid and just having to go and scrounge, whether it's from game pros or magazines and find that yeah. content and find that conversation. Yeah. Um, and like, there is so much from so many different avenues and so many different personalities and tones um, and yeah, I think when you announced that I was going to come on the panel here, I said that, you know, we're going to be the intellectual, analytical, understanding based show. Uh, and I've been I've been well, I've been pitching us 
over on Virtual Legality all week saying, hey, yeah. if you like this kind of stuff, if you like listening to me talk about this kind of thing, that that's what they're doing over there. So come on over. I had a, I had a number of commenters say, well, we're not you're not, we're not, you're not going to reduce your virtual legalities. Right. I was like, no, no this is an addition to, this is gonna be great. Come on over, subscribe. Um, because it is, uh, a place where I think we're going to be able to have discussions that nobody else is going to be able to have. Yes. You know, we got lots of interesting perspectives and a very different Avenue than just other folks who can do their own thing. And I will listen to those other podcasts because I love this industry. Uh, but I'm very, very excited to be here. And I think it's just a great time to be talking about video games. You know, Ty Guy Travis's muted excitement over industry machinations, notwithstanding, <laughs> a hell of a lot's going on here. Very, very true. Um, and I think uh, that's exactly it. I think that, uh, you know, we want to offer something that's unique and insightful. And I think that we'll do that even more so with your additions. So, um, yeah, su I'm super excited about it, honestly. And it's a perfect week because they're a uh, perfect week <laughs> to join because there's a lot to talk about this week. Uh, obviously, our, our kind of big topic this week is going to be uh, the PlayStation acquisition of Bungie. We'll get into all the details there. Um, and then we've got, you know, Grand Theft Auto 6. We've got Grand Turismo 7 and Ghostwire Tokyo for P PlayStation coming up. We've got Sifu and Dying Light 2 reviews. So it's going to be going to be a lot to talk about this week. So real quick, um, let me um, just announce because we were doing a contest this week. Uh, for people rating the show. So just getting our audio listeners kind of out there, the people who check us out on Spotify, Apple, uh, iTunes, Google Play, what have you. Nice. Um, and so uh, we uh, were giving a copy of Elden Ring away for platform of choice. And I'm happy to announce, I don't think they're going to be here live in the chat, but happy to announce that Quack 306 has won that copy. So, um, you know, we do this by random number generator. His number came up. And I will reach out to him uh, after the show, but just wanted to announce that. And of course, stay tuned for more giveaways in the future. Congratulations, man. I was really rooting for McQuack 305. And, but you know, you know you're, you're all right. You're yeah, all right, Elden Ring's right. a funny one, right? Because I see it uh, abbreviated as ER all the time. And I keep yeah. thinking there's a medical story really? of some kind. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's that, that, that one's a funny one for me to follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, was in our, it was in our private stop. chat, and I was like, "Is Ains at the hospital right now?" Yes. What is happening? Well, completely out of context, and you just see ER. You're like, "Whoa!" You know, it's I like know. getting a phone call at two in the morning. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, no, Elden Ring. That'll that'll be interesting. See, I'm going to be way outside my elements here because I'm terrible at Souls games. So it's perfect. Um, it's perfect. You mostly have to tell me about them. Because Travis and I adore them, and we'll be all over Elden Ring. Dan does not, so we're now we're, we're now we're even again. We're two. I, okay, so I, my perspective on on Souls games is that I enjoy them for what they are, and I've I've long since lost most of the Twitch skills necessary to to move through them with any amount of alacrity. And as we were talking about offline, uh, yeah, it's uh, I have limited amount hours of the day, as you can imagine, and so I slam into a wall, I face a boss, I say, "Hey, that's pretty cool." And then I move on to whatever the next game is by the time it has released, because it took me that long to face, face, uh, face one boss. Yeah. Yeah. That's about me. Yep. The key to beating a Souls game is to abandon your kids. So I find yes. that really helpful. <laughs> there are yeah. a few games that are like that. We'll get, we'll get into yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, when, it, when, a, when a really good JRPG drops, I say, honey, it's going to be a week. I'll see you then. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's uh that's definitely what's coming up with elden ring and horizon for sure it's like uh yeah i'm not gonna be around um anyway speaking of challenging games let's jump into what we're currently playing and i'm gonna kick us off because i can finally luckily the embargo just uh ended this morning uh talk about sifu 
So this was a very stiff embargo. You couldn't even mention that you were playing it uh, up until this morning at uh, 6 a.m. Central Time. So my review is up on the site. Uh, I know people have been checking out reviews all morning. Um, this is a really, really unique game, everyone. It is, uh, it's a game that right out of the gate, I said, speaking of Souls games, it's very challenging. Within a few hours of playing it, I said, Dan, I don't know if you should buy this. After a few more hours of playing it, I said, Dan, definitely don't buy this. <laughs> um, and Dan, Dan knows that when I play games like this, I kind of give him the barometer of what he can expect, you know, if he should be buying it. But it is very challenging. It requires a lot of the player to learn from dying. It, it actually made me think of games from the 8 and 16-bit era where it's like, you're going to die. You're going to die a lot. And you need to figure out the patterns, the enemy patterns, the things you need to do to overcome those challenges. It has roguelike, roguelite, excuse me, elements to it. You can unlock skills permanently over time and things like this, but there are no things you can unlock which make the game easier. There's no increasing your strength, increasing your defense, anything like that. There is no way to tune difficulty in this game. Um, and so it's five levels, and I, I say it plays out kind of like Kill Bill. Uh, you're on a revenge path. There's five people you want to kill. Each of them is at the end of a specific level. So there's five level ends with a big boss at the end. Um, what's interesting is the first level is actually quite easy. When you first play it, you're like, oh, this is going to be hard. But the first level is very, very straightforward. It's more of a tutorial, but it really ramps up in the second level and even more so in the third level. And I was about a few hours in, I was playing the second level and I actually, I sitting down here by myself playing the game and I said out loud, I don't know how I'm going to beat this game for the review. Like I was, and I play tough games a lot. People who follow me know this. Um, <clears throat> and I was thinking to myself, man, there's, there's something that's got to click here. And so I just stuck with it, stuck with it. I have over 20 hours in it now and it does. There's this learning curve where once you get over that hump, this game becomes fantastic. Uh, it has a smoothness and just mechanically so sound in the combat uh, once you, again, once you get over that hump that it's just so satisfying. It's, it reminds me a little bit of Sekiro, where Sekiro will literally just beat you down over and over again. But once it clicks and once you figure out how to beat specific enemies, it is incredibly satisfying. Um, it's that type of game. So I really enjoyed it. I would say check out my review. If you're on the fence... Um, you know, I don't really know what to say to you because obviously it's going to be personal for everyone. But if you enjoy a challenging games, overcoming it, persistence is key. Um, there is something very special here from this game. Slow Clap has developed something that I think is going to be really appreciated, similar to like a Returnal from last year where the wasn't huge, but the people who did play it and enjoy it really enjoyed it. That's what you're going to get out of Sifu. Returnal's awesome for the record. Yes, it is. It's uh, pretty great. I yeah, so well. mechanically, I mean, what, what does it play like? You, you used Souls as a couple of reference points there. Is it combo based? I, I, all I've seen is the videos. Yeah. So it's the videos make it look like a beat em up. Right. It does. And, and it is, except for making it function like a beat em up is very hard. So basically how it works is when enemies attack, you can either parry, which is a time of very precise timing <laughs> thing, or <laughs> you cut. And you can dodge left, right, up, down. So like okay. if someone tries to sweep you, you dodge up and you jump over it, right? Someone tries to hit you high, you can duck under it. And so it timing is absolutely critical. And the the window for 
failure on the timing is tiny. So, you know, you may think to myself, oh my God, I dodged that, but you missed it by like a millisecond, right? And it didn't work. Um, <clears throat> so it's, it is uh, uh, combo based, as you said, there's a ton of different attacks and combos you can pull off in different moves. Um, but it's all about being knowing when to play defense and defend, and then you open yourself up windows. So if you perfectly dodge something or perfectly parry something, then your window opens to pull off your combo. But it's primarily count counters are a necessity. It sounds like Do whether dodge or parrying. Yes. And enemies okay. will dodge and parry you. Right. So like you can go on the offensive and try to just button mash at them, but they'll block and then smack you quick. Okay. You cannot button mash your way through this game. It's impossible. Well, I've been very impressed by the animations I've seen in the videos. Is it, does it continue to be a looker throughout? Beautiful, beautiful game. Very unique art style, which I think everyone has seen. Um, it's, it's, I said it's simple yet beautiful. Um, I, I love the videos. Yeah, and each level is a unique locale. So you go to different locations on all the five levels and they have their own type of thing. And the, my favorite level is the third one. It's called Museum and you go through a museum, um, but it's got uh, elements yeah. in it out of, um, kind of movies. Like there's things almost like Enter the Dragon um, as you're playing. So you get dropped in and suddenly the lights go out, right? And then there's like shadows of enemies and different colors and the boss fights are just very Kill Bill like. It's like, okay, you've made it to the boss. Now you get a cinematic and it's this a standoff in its own arena. Every boss has its own arena. And it, okay. you just feel like, okay, now now shit's about to get real. Or, you know what I mean? Like, And the bosses are very, very unique and challenging in and of themselves. I remember the first time I got to the, the final boss of the game, who is the hardest. Um, I, I don't even know if I hit him once. Yeah, you know, I mean, he literally just killed me like seven times in a row, and I don't think I touched him. And I was like, "Oh my god, this is going to take some time." <laughs> and uh, it did, but you know, I get him. And and now, now that I've overcome the hump and I, I know most of the enemies and the patterns, and I've kind of got most things down. Now it's about perfecting your runs, right? Now I'm trying to beat it as young as I can with as dying as least as possible. And it's just, it's just one of those games. If you love those challenges, you love the type of competition for yourself. <laughs> And with a game, you're going to like this game. Sweet. Well, one of the things I said last year was that Returnal it was one of the first games I can remember in a long time where I wanted to gain mastery, that I was enjoying it enough that I wanted to be able to flow and, and do those kinds of things because it looked so cool and felt so good when you were when you were doing that. It sounds like yes. that's the kind of thing that you're getting from a Sifu. And I, I yeah. apologize. I don't quite know the pronunciation. Sifu? It's just Sifu. Sifu. Yeah. Okay, Sifu. Sifu. Now, I have a feeling I probably know the answer to this, but as we've talked about before, I think, I'm a narrative guy. I like the cinema, I like the epic stuff. I don't anticipate a really deep narrative here, but does it have a good drive to whatever it is you're doing? No, that's shaking of heads. <laughs> well, there, there's there's a very, very simple narrative. Um, and okay. I obviously, I don't talk about spoilers in my review or, right. or you know, I don't want to, but it's, it's basically a revenge tale. And it's as simple as, You've now grown up. You witnessed something as a child. You've now grown up. You've become a Kung Fu master, right? In theory. Um, <clears throat> and you want to get back at these five people. You want to make them pay. Them. Yep, that's so it. Streets of Rage level. Yeah. Guys, guys, guys took your girls. You're going to go get them. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> and like I said, apparently he's, so, he's so set on revenge that he decides to spend his entire life trying to kill them all. Well, he, right, and that's, the, that's the mechanic, right? I've seen that in the videos. You die, and then you're older. Yeah, yeah every so, time you die, you gain years. Yeah. Yeah, you start at age twenty, 
and there's a there's a death counter so when you die your death counter goes up by one and you age that amount so the first time you die you're now 21. if you die a second time why there's ways to bring your death counter down as you're playing like if you beat a bunch of enemies or mini bosses without dying for instance or without getting hit it actually will bring your death counter back down mid-level which is cool okay but say you die again right away your death counter goes to two and you age two years so now you go from 21 to 23. If you die immediately again, it's three. Now you go from 23 to 26, so it compounds, right? Okay. So when you get to like, <clears throat> the first time I got to the second level, I was age like 56, <laughs> just the <laughs> second level. But then like, as I went through the first level again, and the second time I got to the second level, I was age 23. And the whole thing is really getting good enough and dying less so that you can get to the end of the game before aging out. The nice okay. thing here from a checkpoint perspective is whatever age you get to the start of a next level as it saves that so no matter what you do in that single playthrough you can always start again again at the lowest age you you've reached a level oh that is interesting yeah so i i'm now all the way to level three without having lost a year i'm age 20 at level three okay um and and there are shortcuts as well again kind of similar souls like if you get further enough through a level further enough through a level you can unlock shortcuts so that when you play that level again, you don't have to go through the whole level again. Oh. Uh, and some of the levels have bigger shortcuts than others. Like the third level is the only one where you can go in and go straight to the boss, um, which is unique. So basically what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to get all the way to the fourth level without, uh, with, you know, being age 20, 21, something like that. Now, is there any meta structure to why you're doing that other than mastery or potentially achievements is there anything you're getting bonuses concept art good stuff or it's no. because you want to it's because you want to pretty much there's there's okay. some collectibles throughout that um <clears throat> i it, basically there's this board where you put your collectibles and it basically just gives you a little context to the the five nemesis nemeses um and where they are in this state of the world right as you've grown up but that's about it it's very light on narrative story context um it's very much like a old school beat em up where you're going to go through these levels you're going to fight these bosses and you're going to get better at it and enjoy it just because it's a game that's pretty much it i, I get my karateka on we'll, we'll, we'll do it yeah. i get um <laughs> i get fury vibes from this game you guys ever play that game fury no it doesn't I, ring a bell it doesn't ring a bell for me either yeah it's like f-u-r-i a... uh no, you play like a, a very samurai who's trying to escape a uh, prison, and basically it's just like a boss boss rush uh, type mm -hmm. game. But uh, kind of reminds me of that. That was another game that um, was also kind of divisive because it was difficult. But I I absolutely adore that game. Um, yeah. Also, I saw. So, what did you go for uh, with score, Ains? I saw um, the IGN reviewer Mitchell Salzman, who's a, a friend of mine, a really really great reviewer. I trust. He gave it a nine out of ten, uh, which is. Good he form. loves he loves difficult games that sort of stuff so. he's a fantastic yeah. reviewer he's one of my favorites sorry thank Travis, you, you too. yeah he is great i'll pass <laughs> along your compliments oh absolutely i um i was a little lower initially and this is why it's funny we were going to have this kind of discussion this is why i don't have a score in my head when i review a game i don't have a score in mind until i'm literally writing the review and i've completed the game because if i would have reviewed this or given it a score in my head early on say several hours in I would have been in the six to seven range. But as I completed it and mastered it, I, I ended on an eight is what I gave it, which on the um, 
season gaming scale is superb. Um, I, I, I went back and forth on going a little higher. The reasons I didn't are really just two is one, as we just said, it is very straightforward. There's not a lot of narrative. There's not a lot to discover or unpack or anything like that. I, I wish to a degree they would have fleshed out the relationship between you and these nemeses a little more or that their backstories a little more. Um, the only other thing that really annoys me in the game at times, and it trust me, it will you as well, is the camera. So the camera is on the right thumbstick. You can move it at all times. However, you need your thumb to hit the buttons to do the moves against the enemies who are constantly barraging you at you. And once you get especially to level three and beyond, there's several instances where you're in very tight spaces fighting multiple enemies. And the camera does that 3D game thing where it's like, you know, you get pushed against the wall and you can't even see what's happening. And in this game, like I said, very unforgiving. It, you just miss a quick thing real quick and you're dead. And if you respawn, you respawn right at that spot. So you're trying to like gather yourself and it's easy to die due to the camera. When you're trying to get through the game with as dying as little as possible, it can be very frustrating. So what I had hoped for was that in those instances where the camera would get behind a wall or behind the player, it would kind of swing around and recorrect, you know what I mean? Um, but it doesn't do that. So it can be a little frustrating at times, but. That's a long-winded way, but I, I ended on an eight. Um, I do really enjoy the nice. game. I think it's going to be one of those games that is cherished by a small group of people. I don't see it reaching kind of broad appeal um, just for the reasons we've already talked about. Yeah, that's just like Fury. I really am getting Fury vibes from this, everything you're saying. Yeah. And by the way, I saw I'm a couple in... people mention about not having a PS5 or PC. It is a timed exclusive. So Slow Clap did confirm it is coming to Xbox down the road. So mm -hmm. if uh, if you're an only Xbox player for some reason and and you're kind of you want to play this but don't have PS5 or, or uh, PC, uh, it will be coming to Xbox too. And speaking of PlayStation, I saw this morning they're having a little trouble giving their deluxe early access away. Uh, have yeah. you seen any of that? Yes, they actually responded to it. Slow Clap did and said they're working with PlayStation right now to try and fix it. It is not unlocking for some people who paid for early access, which is not a good thing. That is troublesome, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. From a legal perspective as well. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be doing refunds or, or what have you, but anyway. You we said you'd give us a game at a certain time and you didn't give it to us. And, yeah. Well, it's today, right? So, I mean, you know, if we're getting real lawyery, they have another, you know, however many hours. Um, yeah. it, you, did they say what time? I, you know, that, that, that's where you start to dig into the weeds. That's a virtual legality. That's not a big cast. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Let's go read some terms of service for 20 minutes. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah. So well, I mean, um, yeah, there's, there's also the question of like uh, when, when, when is a game so incomplete that it counts as kind of not really being the full game? Like people who release games uh, broken or yeah. You yes, can't complete I, I have, it. I have, your save file gets deleted or whatever. I have a lot of people that want me to do a Battlefield uh, twenty. Is it forty two? Uh, forty two. Uh, it's like I don't know enough about it. I just I just watch the, the train wreck from afar. Yeah. Uh, well, so. you can do uh, you can do broken games in general because they're they're not the only example. People have tried to sue people sue sue game developers over games being so broken that they felt cheated sure. for a lot of. There's a lot of examples of that. And, Sure, and I, and I, usually I'm walking people off the ledge of is this false advertising and that kind of thing. There's a lot of leeway and right. it has to be intentional for the most part. I did do a video sure. that was pretty interesting about a year ago 
where there was a Steam game that had sold pre-orders and then swapped to a different game, like a different game entirely. And I was like, okay, that's that one's not going to play. <laughs> no. so, so you know, we have we do have those conversations. Uh, and I, you know, I talked yeah. about Destiny. I think recently about them vaulting Forsaken, which is a separate purchased product, and going, hmm, yeah. that's an interesting thing to vault. Games so, as a service, man, it's going to be more common going forward than I think anybody realizes. But. We'll see. I'm going to continue my opprobrium towards Bungie on what they're doing until I <laughs> until I die. I think. Uh, yeah. We'll see. I, hey, um, you know, when we get into Bungie, it's like I would love to see some resources thrown at not doing that to the things people purchase, but we'll talk about. Yeah, it. I don't think I don't yeah, think yeah. you get what you want there. Well, they won't get me back. I'm I'm just one guy. I'm not the market, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm saying that as a yeah. Well, we'll get into why I think the Bungie yeah, thing is terrible, that. but um, yeah. Let me get the super chat from uh, Mr. Luke over at Xbox Expansion Pass. Yeah, man. Two dollars super chat. Thanks, Luke. Can you address difficulty? Versus gatekeeping. gatekeeping. <clears throat> we were having a side conversation in DM about this this morning. So oh, this is fun. So our video is kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I see what's happening right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll, have to, we'll have to figure that one out. But anyway. Yeah, we'll um, concept that out. Yeah. The, Sifu is definitely going to be another game. Um, like Elden Ring probably later this month. That will bring up the conversation of around difficulty. Ex- the, the overlap of difficulty with accessibility. And, you know, do developers, publishers have a responsibility to focus more on that? You know, uh, I've already made it clear that seafood does not hold your hand. Um, in fact, it basically punches your hand away. So um, it's, yeah, it's, this is one of those games. It's not for everyone. Um, and I know I've had that discussion before, and I, I'm all for making games as accessible as possible so as many people can enjoy it as, as, as possible. But I also, and I'd like to hear your guys' thought on this, I am also of the stance of, hey, every single game doesn't have to be for every single player. Um, and I, I yeah, like developers having just the freedom to make the game they want to make. Um, it, it may not be for you. It may be too hard for you. It may not be... Whatever it may be, I'm just I'm okay with that, um, and I'm fine yeah. with saying, "Hey, this game's not for me," you know, whatever it may be. Um, so I don't think it's really, I don't know, I don't fall in the gatekeeping stance of this game is difficult, and if it's too hard for you, so be it. Uh, that's just a fact, and you know that's going to exist for some games, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, yeah, not every game for can be for every pe- every person. I mean, uh, look at dating sims. Dan can never play them because he has no heart, you know, <laughs> no emotions. Content-based gatekeeping. No, yeah. I mean, I've talked yeah, about this. Really I've talked about this a lot. I, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm very much in favor of the developers getting to make the game that they want. And if that includes an easy mode and an easier mode or, or something that they want to allow people to proceed through the, you know, the narrative or whatever else, see the content that they purchased, absolutely go for it if they don't i'm of the mind to say absolutely go for that as well i don't view that as um a problem in the same fashion that some folks in the gaming media in particular do uh because i I think it is important to be able to make something that you're driven by that you're passionate about and if that's a super hard thing that demands mastery then that's what's getting your developers out of bed in the morning anyway that hopefully there's a, there's a there's a unity in spirit in make wanting to make that and if they feel that it takes something away from the product the art that they put out there is by putting a menu item on you can disagree with that i have no problem saying hey i think you're wrong but they should they should be they should be allowed to do that um, and i think it works out 
I, I think if you want to play Sekiro, great. And if you don't, there's a thousand other things for you to play. Um, and I would rather see that variety on the menu of video gaming and life than to not have that and have everything be essentially 100% the same thing in order to make sure that it can be played by everybody everywhere. Yep. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same mind. It, it, you get to a point where, like, I've never felt, I guess, gatekept, gatekept <laughs> out of a game, you know, like for, from from uh, from a developer. You know, I've never went and said, well, they did this specifically to keep me from playing it. I think, you know, I can, I do that just well enough on my own. Um, but you, know, you, you don't, I don't know, man. Like, I think you, you could make it, and it, any of these games probably more accessible with a difficulty slider, obviously. They're a choice. They do what they want to do. You know, I've never played, I don't know, MLB the show and been like, man, I really want to, you know, shoot that first baseman. You know, so I pull out my, you know, MP5. You know, it, it's a completely different thing. You know, it, it's, it's, <laughs> that's a weird reference, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just, I, some games are for you, some games aren't. You know, you know which ones are for you, and and you know which ones aren't. It, the, if if they are gatekeeping, I don't know why a developer would be like, let's say, let's let's make this game. Like, I don't think it goes to their mind, you know, to to the smallest audience we possibly can. Like, they obviously want to sell as many copies as they want, but they also want to retain that, you know, artistic whatever. You know, they, they want to the game. Yeah, vision. Yeah, it's so yeah. fine. You know, there's like 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 Hogue said, there's plenty plenty of games out there yep. to uh to play so um i'm fine with it you know i know what we're where my wheelhouse is it's nowhere near those games so you know that's fine with me totally fine agreed agreed by the way uh nick you said uh did i play sequel on pc or ps5 ps5 i played it on um so i actually had code for pc too i just preferred to play it on PC, ps5 so um and i did write about some of the uh no issues with the game by the way uh not a single bug not a single hiccup. Um, it was flawless, which is rare to say nowadays, I feel. Yeah, uh, that'd be nice after my weekend, but I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably a good segue <laughs> to the other game we were going to talk bump, about. Bump. <laughs> oh, my God. Seeing your post felt so vindicating. Uh, I really we'll, we'll, get I, so we'll get to it, but I really like it. I really am enjoying it when it's on. But, man, yep. am I having trouble. Yep. Yeah, yep. I'll talk about that when we get to that review. Uh, yeah, sorry guys, uh, where that hum came from. I don't know where that's coming from. So I, I, try, I tried muting. I got, I got. I noticed it's, uh, it's, it's going away when you speak, Ains, and then it comes back when you're quiet. Really? Okay. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Mm. We'll try, try and figure it out in a yeah. second. Like this other super chat from Mr. Game Positive, Dan. Yeah, Game Positive, the seven or six ninety nine Canadian. Welcome to the show, Hogue. I feel like Ains will never respect me. Unless I complete Sifu. Very true. Uh, yeah, PS T-shirt game is on point. GG. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I have any PlayStation T-shirts. You'll only ever likely see me in my virtual reality stuff or my or sweaters. But you know, I didn't want to overly lawyer it here on on show one. <laughs> yeah, I have a few Destiny that. neckties. I don't know okay. if that uh, if that counts as something. <laughs> All right, so uh, we talked about Seafood. Like I said, find my review online. Uh, I'm actually probably going to put up an article with some tips and hints, too, because the game's a little cryptic at times with how things work. So I, I think I can help some people with that. I may actually stream it tonight. So if you're 
if you're someone who doesn't want to be spoiled on some of the later levels or bosses, obviously that's not going to be for you. But if you just want to see someone playing it who can kind of explain some of the mechanics and, you know, how to overcome certain things and what shortcuts do and some of the menu stuff, uh, I may do that tonight as well. So stay tuned. Uh, why don't we jump over to Dying Light 2, the other big game that's out. Uh, Travis, you reviewed it. Um, I know a bunch of the people, especially in chat, asked me about our review. We actually did not get a code for Dying Light 2. Um, I don't know what happened with PR there. We did reach out to him. So um, there's just, the game is out now, I realize, but it's a big game. And for one of our reviewers to kind of buy it at launch, try and rush through, as Travis, you said you put like, what, 80 hours into it? Or 80 hours into my main playthrough, 20 hours into my second playthrough. Right. So to try and do that and get a review out, it wouldn't be out till next week at the absolute earliest. And it just... You know, that doesn't really work. But luckily, we have Travis here who reviewed it for IGN. So you can speak a little bit or, or fully about your experience. I know we touched on yeah. a little bit last week. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. But you can you because because you can simply just read my review. It's a 3000 word review. And uh, the video version is about nine minutes long, about half of half the amount of words. Um, but the overview is that it's a fantastic game. Um, it has incredibly good parkour. It's combat is super fun and over the top. It's got lots of interesting characters for you to interact with a beautiful open world, um, all of that stuff. And it is held back incredibly by a absolute sea of bugs that it's almost drowning in. Um, so, you know, from, from my perspective, it's easily an eight or a nine uh, without the bugs. Uh, and I think it probably will uh, get to that point someday, but as it's, as it stands right now, it has tons of bugs. Um, this was experienced both by myself. Um, I had um, probably very few bugs in the first 20, 30 hours, uh, and then a couple bugs about 40 to 50 hours. And then the last 30 hours of my first playthrough, I was I was dealing with a lot of bugs. So it's one of those games where like the longer you've been playing on your save file, it's kind of like Skyrim. You know how things break over time. One thing will break <laughs> here, one thing will break there, and then you have a file that's got like 200 hours on it and you're like, all right, this file is basically like broken now. <laughs> like it's just, I did too much stuff to it. Um, that, that sort of happens uh, in this game. And it got to the point where my final like three or four hours with the game, the game was crashing like every hour at least. Like it was just like really falling apart at the finish line. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, there was a day one patch that fixed a lot of that and they were deploying patches during the review period, but there's sure. still stuff that, um, you know, they're not going to catch everything. There's like uh, my team alone at IGN uh, discovered lots of bugs. And we were we had like an open line with the PR team and we were just like reporting tickets. Like, here's something we found. Here's <laughs> something we found. Um, and you may not be affected by some of the bugs. We had probably about 18 people with codes at the IGN team because we're creating a wiki for it so that we had lots of people uh, playing it. Yep. And uh out of those like 18 people, I would say probably 16 or 15 of us dealt with some level of bugs. Two of us had our save files completely corrupted and still cannot access our files, which obviously is like the worst type of bug. Um, but most of most people were kind of like me, where we saw some stuff. And then the longer we played, we saw more stuff. Um, but we were able to beat the game and it, was, it didn't like ruin the experience. Um, and then some people got lucky and didn't really experience any bugs or not many that they noticed anyway although uh those people typically are the ones that played the fewest hours so if you're not experiencing bugs feel lucky but i'm sure it'll happen to you at some point because uh the <laughs> game does not perform uh the longer you play um but 
yeah, I mean, aside from the bugs, it does so much well, and it's such a fun game to play. Uh, my my real only other criticism is that the main character is super boring. Uh, just the main story is not is not. They sort of do like that thing where you see flashbacks to his dark backstory, and you kind of always assume that there's going to be like some, you know, something that happens later in the game that explains that and that is like interesting and kind of just doesn't happen. I feel like they didn't know how to end the game. You know, they were kind of just mm-hmm. they kind of just followed the the natural flow of wanting to do cool activities, interacting with cool. Uh, characters but the main character is definitely the most boring character in the game um but other than that uh you know it's a great game it really is and i have no doubt in in three months and six months it'll probably be an eight or nine yeah did uh we just lose travis Uh, i mean either that or he's doing an excellent excellent (laughs) Am am i am i still here uh, now you are. Uh, returned. Yeah. yeah. You know what's funny is I lost all of you guys. All this, all the boxes just went black all at once, and then nice. oh. uh, uh-huh. so um, yeah. Uh, seven out of ten is my review score. I stand by it. I think it's a, a fair score for where the game is at right now. And uh, yeah, come at me, bro. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I was uh, say, yeah. They already did. There is a come at yeah. me, bro, out there. It's interesting, right? Because like I almost feel like there should be one of those tickers on the bottom. If you watch sports, you get kind of chance of victory graphs that they have now. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see like Ains's, uh Sifu review going from a six as it crawls up as he gains mastery and Travis's dying light review being a, you know, a nine from the opening or whatever in the fun game. Play, and, then they, <laughs> and it's like, Oh, it crashed again. It loses a half point. Uh, you know, that, that kind of thing, because I, I also have, have played it not certainly not a hundred hours. I just got it as a normal consumer of video games um, who's trying to play R-rated uh, games while having two young girls in the house. Uh, so you, have, you find your time. Yes. Otherwise, you're playing Candy Bridge of Spirits again, uh, which is also, you know, fun. Uh, but um, I, I enjoy it so much. I like it has so much um, uh, beauty right from the start. Uh, and then when it opens up the world, you can see exactly how they're going to do it. And it's going to be fun. Uh, but I have to tell you, very first mission, you have to clear out some, uh, what, I think they're virals infected. I can never remember mm-hmm. what our zombies are in our various games. Um, and doesn't trigger. The, you have to turn on the power to something, doesn't trigger. I, and the music's going weird. I can't figure it out. You kind of <laughs> have to go back to a checkpoint a, a while back. Then you go through, and this is all in the first three hours of me playing it, uh, hard crash to desktop. Now, on that one... The way I play video games now, especially in the current generation, I'm constantly fiddling with the video options to decide which I like best. Um, and I think it really, really disliked that. I, I, <laughs> I was noticing that it was not, I was changing things in the menu. It was locking those and it wasn't, it stopped actually changing them, film grain and the, and whether the mode it was in. And then it said, oh, oh no. And then it died. So a little bit on me, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's not, it's not what you like to have as your video game time. If you got a limited amount of time, you don't want to go in there being like, I hope it doesn't hard crash uh, this time. So I really, really thoroughly have enjoyed what I've gotten to play when I've gotten to play it. But, you know, Travis has made me trepidatious. Not that I'm ever going to get to the end of this game. Ending doesn't matter. You know, that's not, hey, we're we're never getting there. 
<laughs> Sounds like yeah. more of a sandbox for fun yeah. game. But... Tell me how an Assassin's Creed ends. I have no idea. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Viking's going to be in England forever. Honestly, <laughs> the first 30 hours of that game, though, when you're at the beginning and you're kind of solving that war encounter that's happening, mm-hmm. it, that's like the best part of the game. And you're, you're right. It did start out as like a nine for me. I, I was like, oh, my God, everything I wanted out of a se- sequel to Dying Light because I really like the first game. And then the longer you play, the more bugs. And then the, the shortcomings of the story become way more apparent in the second half of the game. And I was kind of just like, no, no. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I hear that. And I hear you on the on the uh, the the voice actor or, or the, the main character because two things happened immediately. I, I was talking to my brother uh, uh, about this when I started playing. I was like, well, it's, it sounds like he's doing like a, like a Troy Baker thing. And then I realized yeah. what had happened was I was playing the Uncharted 4 remaster at the same time. And he he is one thousand percent doing Sam Drake like down to the inflections of that. So it's not just Troy Baker; it's like a specific Troy Baker. And I can't get it on my mind now. If you go listen to every line he says, it sounds like Sam Drake in Uncharted. I, so I actually every thought it line. was Troy Baker at yeah. the beginning, and uh, <laughs> then I, then I realized it's a, it's an it's a, an anime actor, uh, yeah. and that's that's sort of his voice. I, I think it does. I watched some of the other stuff he's done, and I was like, oh, so he this is just his voice. And in fact, the character aiden you don't really see him much but when you do see him he kind of looks like the voice actor too oh, they, so made him look like, like oh, him? they just yeah they just they just made it him the character so. well maybe troy was doing him in uncharted 4 i don't know but it's, it's there almost, you go it's almost <laughs> identical especially if you're playing them at the same time <laughs> yeah kind of just a generic uh caucasian protagonist is my well, it's got a, so it's got a lightly southern not enough to be offensive drawl and end of sentences and it's exactly what sam drake brings to the party so it's like wow (laughs) not enough to be offensive (laughs) um you know what's funny travis is as you're talking through this as as it started out really high and then as you experience more you see that the shortcomings of the story more bugs and your score goes kind of down by time you finish it it kind of harkens back to exactly what we said about finishing a game to get a full perspective for a review score um, and what I, I, I know you've noticed is because you review games regularly as well is there's oftentimes where I put a review out with a score and I see so many people on social media say, I've got four hours into this. It's a nine for me. And it's like, well, you know, you haven't you haven't gone through the arc that I've gone through with this game yet. Like, just wait. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. well, let see. me play devil's advocate. Sure. Right. OK, so professionally, yeah. I agree. You have a responsibility to play the whole thing. Right. But. I am, you know, a 40-something person that has a limited amount of time. Uh, and to be honest with you, I think I get a lot more content than I need out of certain big open-world games. Assassin's Creed series, sure. Dying Light. I have no I, I have no preconception that I'm going to see the second half that Travis doesn't like of this game. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that's always floated through my mind is that, yeah, okay, if it's presenting a, four hours of a nine to you, that's that's two movies. Uh, if it presents 10 hours of a nine to you, you know, what, where is the value? Can you review a game for the experience that you're likely to have in, in your life? And I think you have to do it both ways. I think the professional that you're talking about has to 100% deliver. This is what the content is, the entire package, everything right. that Travis said about the back half. But I've long thought that, especially for a specific type of gamer, if I knew that I was getting 10 hours of a nine at the front end, that's something I might be interested in regardless. Um, mm-hmm. and, I, and I've long thought there can be essentially a review process. It's like, here's the first dozen hours. Here's how it feels. That's, that's all Rick's likely to play. <laughs> We're get, working around his family life and, and everything else is going to try. And then that'll go in the shelf and say, that's a good game. That, that, is, that is an A to me. 
and mm-hmm. and that's it. Um, you know, so <laughs> that's where I get stuck. I don't. I don't think we're too uh, too far apart on this, really. I, I think there's plenty of room for what you describe. People giving kind of full detailed impressions, their thoughts, uh, what a game kind of consists of, especially some of these, as you said, 60, 80, 100-hour games, right, where a lot of people just don't have time to finish them. I think there is a, a place for people to provide context of those games maybe 10, 12, 15 hours in. Absolutely. The only hang-up I have is that if you're going to call it a full review, a review of the whole package, as you alluded to, a review of the whole package and what you're getting in that package, you should play the whole game. Yeah, I don't think you can review Dying Light 2 and say I only played 12 hours, but I think you can review the first 12 hours of Dying Light 2 and say it's... Agreed. Agreed. I I think there's like... uh, Yeah, I I think you would... would, the, The caveat there would be you would have to base your entire system around doing Oh, this that is the branding. Like, oh, no, I've, yeah, I've, already branding, run up, I've already run up website concepts on this bad boy. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's you the could first call it, hours. Uh, That's the site. You could call, you, you could call it uh, the caretaker's dozen. There you go. For somebody the, who... <laughs> The, the busy the, the busy gamers uh, review of the first dozen. No, I mean whatever it is, that's yeah. that's what I'm looking at because I'm just noticing my own play patterns, right? Which yeah. is that... I, that's what I'm playing, and then I move on to the next thing because I get to a dozen hours on a dying light, and Horizon will be out. I mean, there's there's just no question, right? And so you know, then I'll get a dozen hours of that, and the next thing will be out, and that's that's just what I do. And if I had a good time with it, great. That's that's what yeah, I'm. I think for that would be a very fun style of fun, fun style of review. Uh, just reviewing the the busy persons. You're only going to play the first like third. So how does that feel? Get yeah. How, how would for dying light? Different? I think, I think your odds of, of being an eight or nine are much higher, but as you, as you learned yourself, uh, that's, a, that's also a gamble because the game is unstable and you can, you can run into, you can be like you and run into glitches. Well, right literally I talked to you hour. two weeks ago. You're like, Oh, the first 50 hours you were talking about all this stuff. So like, you know what? I don't, if it's buggy later on, we, we'll, we'll make it work. And then, I mean, God, the first three hours is like, come on, game. I'm trying. I'm trying. Don't that is that. super unlucky. I'm actually, I've actually never heard anybody get bugs that early. Like the fact that it's very so. Right no away. spoilers. We don't need to spoil anything. But you're at a house yeah. and you have to get rid of the zombies. And like the very first one, you spoiled like thirty different games. There's no. <laughs> there's, I've killed them all. I'm standing there. I'm like, well, okay. I got to turn on this generator, which is the second part of like the, what the mission thing is telling you, even though the first part isn't checked off. It lets me in. I turn it on. No power comes on. I'm like, that's to me, a hard crash is actually a little bit better than that yeah, because I don't quite sure. know whether I'm missing something or they are for, yeah. for an extra 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that, that the worst, the worst bug I had in my opinion, and it was way worse than the hard crashes was when I couldn't complete a side quest because a character wouldn't spawn that I needed to talk to to complete it. <laughs> That's way more frustrating because I was looking for that character for like an hour before I realized he wasn't there. I was just walking around the same area. Like, where is this dude? And then I found okay. the place he's supposed to be and you could hear him talking, but he wasn't there. Like you could hear him <laughs> going like, uh, and like saying things. And I was like, this is where he is. He's just not, he's not actually. Well, see, it's gotta up, be but... tougher for reviewers because at some level after it's been out a few moments, you can go and be like, is this working right? 
Like what yeah. should happen? And you yeah. guys don't so, necessarily so the, have that. So the, the reviewer's solution is that usually you have contact with the developer. Yeah. And so in this case, I had a, a Discord and I went there and I was like, hey, this guy isn't showing up. And they were like, oh, damn, sorry, that's a bug. But uh, okay. one, one of the things that I, I did want to bring up for this review is- To clarify real quick, of, Travis. Clarify yeah. real quick. If you're IGN, you have direct <laughs> okay. contact. All right, all right, fine. With, yeah, with, yeah, fine, and, fine. And Discord channels with developers and publishers. Oftentimes- when I'm reviewing a game and uh, if I run into an issue, I'm trying to figure out who I can DM, DM on Twitter who may also be playing it. So I'll DM someone okay. like Jez or someone, so you know, even other when people. I was writing, even when I was writing for small indie sites, I used to just like go and find their discord because usually discord servers are public. So I would just, without asking anyone, I would just <laughs> go and find the developers and contact them and just be like, Travis, Yo, and they'd be like, they're out their internal guy? Slack channels, just popping in. Yeah, I'm, I'm out there like finding these people. So I would just like find the reviewer and be like, hey, I'm reviewing your game. I have a question and just like hit them up. Um, but there is a debate going on right now and I've been getting a ton of hate mail. It's fine. It's part of the job. I'm, I'm totally used to it. But my DMs are blowing up with people calling me like a, a Satanist and just like, you know, being real mean, uh, you know, because I because I wrote a bad review of a game or actually I wrote a good review of a game. I wrote I gave it a seven out of ten. A good sevens game are awesome. Score. Sevens are where yeah. the weird stuff and the fun stuff lives. People enjoy. Yeah, your I agree. 100% I agree. Um, but uh, one of the things is people are saying, how can you review a game before it's out? It's, it doesn't have a day one patch yet. It's going to fix thousands of bugs, oh. all these things. And I just, I have to say, one, if if you play a game early, you play a game the day before it comes out and it has tons of bugs and there's a day one patch that's supposed to fix a thousand different things, which literally the developer said, hey, the day one patch fixes a thousand bugs. The fact that you think you're going to the hubris behind thinking that you can fix a thousand things in one patch and that's not going to break other things and that it's going to just like see itself out is is crazy to me. But also like the the it, it matters if the state of a game like I'm not playing a completely different game than you. They were patching the game as I was playing it. And guess what? They're going to be patching it after you're playing it, too. Sure. You might not experience the same. Bugs I want them as, to. As I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you That's the part of the service. Right. But. The, the whole uh, conversation around like, oh, you shouldn't review a game until it's out or until it has the final version. If you're waiting for the final version of a game, you will be waiting forever and you will never get a review for the game. And my job as a reviewer is to try to help the consumer make an informed decision about how to spend their money and how to spend their time. And that is it's helpful to have that review before the game comes out, before they're asking for you to spend your money. Sure. Uh, and, and that's the goal. And sometimes we review games that technically aren't out yet. They're in preview, but the developer is asking you to pay for them. And so it's still worth, you know, saying, is this worth that money at this stage in the game? And then a year from now, when the game actually comes out, if it's still relevant news topic, which it often isn't, but if it is, we'll re-review it. We've done that before for No Man's Sky. We've reviewed three times because that game has changed so much uh, since it initially came out. So yeah. I just wanted to say on that one that um, I, I really think it's it's important that these early access reviews happen uh, and they do help people. So um, I'm sorry that I gave the game that you loved and thought was going to be a 10 out of 10 a 7. I think one day it possibly could be a 10 out of 10, but uh, right now. That, that's just well, not my opinion. So. And a lot of those criticisms are coming from people who are excited, right? And obviously haven't played it themselves. Yeah, yet. right. Yep. And, and I get that. Yep. Like, I, I was excited about Dying Light 2. I still am. I really like it when it's not crashing on me. It's, a great I, game. it's, yeah. funny, that, it's funny that you mentioned that that direction for your reviews. I, I tend to get it the opposite way. You know, I, I, I love Days Gone, for instance, talking about zombie games. 
And I get a right. lot of criticism for that on my channel or elsewise because they say, well, how can you how can you rate it so highly with all the bugs it had? And I say, I can only rate it on what I experienced. I got a lucky run. If you want to call it a lucky run, I'm not discounting what everybody else has said about it because I played it right when it launched. Yeah. But I, I didn't have any problems. I, I can't I can't tell you that I did. I can comment and say, hey, other people have said that there are problems. Uh, but it's the same way with what you're describing with a patch. I can't say I can't give it a nine because they promised me the stuff that I did experience is gone. That wouldn't be fair. Um, and you see that you, you've seen that from other outlets and from other instances where you do appear to get reviews that are giving a little bit more credence to that notion of, oh, patch one, I'll fix it all. Um, and some of those times they have to walk it back because it doesn't. Um, but I, I feel for you and I certainly feel for you in terms of passionate community members that are <laughs> asking you to fix the game you didn't make or commenting on your review and the bugs that it has. I, I can't yeah. even, I can't even fathom, uh, the DMS oh, that you terrible. get Travis. Yeah. It's I mean, a, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. The new thing, I think I told Ains this, but the new thing that's been happening to me is I'll write a review and then somebody will reach out to me on social media and tell me to fix my game. Yes. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, and I'm like, dude, you read my review where I said the game was broken and now you're reaching out to me to fix it. Like, do you not understand anything about how this works? Like, this is crazy. And the first time it happened, I was like, it's a fluke. And the second time it happened, I was like, that's weird. And then like the sixth time it happened, I was like, what? is happening like why does everyone think i'm a game developer it was really weird that's insane you know, yeah, the, the, here's the thing you don't go into a restaurant they bring you like a raw piece of chicken and say here try that let me know what you think about it just try it. give me you know, give it a shot and then you're like well it's not really cooked but all right you know you try it and you're like you know okay well it sucks and then they're like well listen in a couple of days we're gonna cook it and season it for you <laughs> so, so you just need to you know just Understand right, review as if you know, it were cooked, right? Because we, yeah. we know it's gonna get cooked, right? So right. it's gonna get cooked. Review. It's gonna be really perfectly seasoned, juicy, tender. You know, it's gonna be all these things. But at the moment, this is what you know. This is what we want to know. What you think? You know, and people just still they just. I mean, and I, I said it to Travis. You know, it's, it just bothers me that. And then Travis apparently is the only reviewer at IGN. You know, I don't understand that. It's like, well, IGN gave. <laughs> This game was uh, definitely Cyberpunk a nine. Well, I yeah, didn't yeah. Cyberpunk a nine. Like, well, yeah, because well, yeah, they cloned Travis. There's 30 Travises that are out there right now, and they're 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 Please writing no. reviews for IGN. Yeah. Now wait a minute. All right. Okay. Opinion. So I have to devil's advocate here, right? So <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna take the the audience and the ability to get out there of a large platform, you take on some of the fact that for the most part, I think we refer to it as the platform's opinion. Um, you know, they trusted Travis to review X as a platform, whether or not that's warranted or not, who knows with Travis and <laughs> they trust Mitchell to review something else. And that's, that's an organization that it should be vetting who it has. Now I agree with you a thousand percent. I hate it when it was like, well, Madden came out and it got an eight. What kind of world is this? It's like, yeah, okay. Actually got, got a it. six. But, <laughs> did it, it got six. All right. Sorry. I, well, you got a lot of years of Maddens. I'm sure one of them got an eight. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I, I hear you, but I do think it's okay to say GameSpot gave it a nine and IGN gave it a nine. I'm not trying to deperson you, Travis. No, no, uh, I get it. And I, I think I make, it makes right. sense when yeah. people compare the platforms, but you have to, you have to kind of just explain to them that the review is one person's opinion. That's all yes. a review can ever be. Uh, yes. and unless you're looking at a Metacritic score and, and, uh, 
different people have different opinions. If I would have reviewed cyberpunk, I would have given it a different review than Tom Marks gave it, who really liked it. But uh, sure. we also, you know, we're different people. That's, Does that's IGN just, ever do a second opinion box? Uh, if they have an editorial conversation about those, I, um, I used to I, like those. Yeah. I, I actually can't remember. I think, I feel like we used to do those and I'm not sure that we do them anymore, or, yeah, just curious. Uh, but we, we do we do do re reviews, especially now yeah. in the in the age of games getting uh, tons of patches and updates. The, our one caveat is that there still has to be a lot of people that care about the game for us to re review it, right? And so No Man's Sky is a you're great running example, a business too. But, yes, I think that makes yeah. Sense. But at some point, like people are like, "Oh, can you review this game that was broken that's fixed now and it's got like nine players?" And we're like, no, "It's just not." You know. So let me get to a couple of these uh, comments sure. that are funny. And Dan, Dan touched on this one. So Coolco says, should you base the review on the actual game, though, and omit the game bugs from the score if potentially they would be fixed? The answer is no. Um, nope. Because there's no guarantee that those bugs will be fixed. Uh, there, you, We can only review what we're playing in the moment. And as Travis said, if they're updating the game as he's playing it, you know, you can comment on that as well. But we can't. You can't play a game that has things that are impacting your play and just assume that it's not going to happen for other people. You have to you have to write about and talk about what you experienced. And I think some outlets some outlets actually do ignore bugs to a certain extent. Um, I see it most often in uh, out, outlets that have a print publication because they'll get the game really early because they have to write the review in time to sure. uh, for it to publish in print. So Game Informer gave Dying Light two. A 95 and i think that uh the the 95 out of 100 is reflective of the fact that they probably experienced bugs and then ignored them because they had a super early copy of the game and kind of played on the assumption that that the, those bugs would matter so if you're that type of player you should just read those outlets if you if you are the type of person that always assumes that the bugs are going to be fixed or you play games much later uh outlets like that exist for you and i think game informers is a pretty uh consistent one they they tend to sort of hand wave some of that because they're they're dealing with really early versions of the game so okay there's another thing too we always talk about here seven's not a bad game like you I know love yeah. yeah seven means it's a good game people need to get over this thing that if it's not an eight or higher it's a bad game i mean we talk about that all the time um i love sevens know. i love sevens and sevens are very often where some of the experimental stuff that doesn't quite work but which is going to be amazing when they do it again or when someone else iterates on it, yeah. that's where they live. That's where some of that stuff is born. Uh, sevens are great. I have Agreed. no problem Agreed. with them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good games that have flaws. Yes. That's all they are, you know, and, you know, it's just, that's just what it is. And, and the flaws may bother you more or less than other people yeah. else. A seven yeah. to Dan may be a nine to me and vice versa. Um, I mean, so don't, don't, opinion of a seven could still be a, an incredible game to you. People, people are so focused on like the school education yes. version of, of, of <laughs> grades that, you know, that they can't actually use that education and figure out <laughs> math because math dictates that seven is two above five, which five would be average on a sliding scale. So I, it's just basic stuff that we just kind of need to move past as gamers, I think, um, like math. So I, get to that I think mov movies killed us on this. Movies are movies are much better about using their full spectrum. You think of a two and a half out of five stars. It's like, I understand that that's probably mediocre. Somebody might love it somewhere. You give a five to a video game. People are assuming it's going to burn your house down in some fashion. <laughs> it's true. Yes. Very true. Which is sad. Uh, by the way, Jordan just showed up. Uh, he said, walking in late, agreed bugs have been rough. Literally lost my entire day yesterday exploring the world and crushing zombies. Yeah. So 
Yeah. That's so what I, I fear that that's what I fear. It's very hard to commit time to something if if that's if that's a possibility. Yeah. No, no, I think he's actually, I think you're misinterpreting it. I think he's saying that uh, he was engrossed in the game, not that he lost. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yeah, oh, he is. Yeah. I did the same thing. I did the oh, same I'll, thing, sorry. Okay, yes, I was. Yeah, I think, I think he's saying that the game is really good and that he didn't experience any bugs. But again, of, Jordan, uh, yeah, again, Jordan, you're you're walking in late, but uh, in <laughs> my experience and the experience of the IGN reviewers, the bugs get worse the longer you play. So if you're not experiencing anything now, you might later in the game. And just imagine what would happen if, tomorrow you lost all of your save data like you'd probably be pissed and feel really bad about the game and we had at least two uh contributors who that happened to so it's uh you know it can be very disappointing but see that's why you want to stay behind the patch curve if you can play it slowly enough you know they'll just get out in front of you it's like right absolutely absolutely and there's also like in my review the first thing i say when i get to the bug section is just i if you're if you have an aversion to bugs wait 30 days wait 60 days I have I have confidence that they will fix these problems, but right now it's rough. And I just said that at the top of my review in the video version, and then a box out in the written version, and I left it. I didn't talk about bugs for the rest of the review, but uh, yeah. Well, as we've seen, like Dying Light One, as we've said, is a, a game that's been tremendously supported. Uh, it's a fantastic yeah. game, so there, I have high confidence that Techland will continue to. To work on this, absolutely, and it'll be an amazing game. Well, I think sure. they've got a yeah. winner there, and I think they probably know it. So there's there's, there's, yeah, there's reason sure. to put the resources in it. Of course, and I'm sure that it's All selling right. like gangbusters. I saw it was the number one game on Steam, like the second it, it came out. So what? Uh, top selling game. So, um, all right. Let's. Why don't we jump over? That was a much longer discussion on this couple of games. Review <laughs> this is I my fault, right? You got to get used to having. Is I ask like seven questions. I, you know, I'll, I'll work on it. The <laughs> <laughs> cast is All now right. a four-hour podcast. Every yeah, no, no, we're not Iron Lord and they, 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 they do their own thing. We're not doing the five-hour show here. Um, let's move over to the main topic of the week, which uh, uh, goes without saying, I think, is PlayStation's acquisition of Bungie. So I know that a lot of people have talked about this. Uh, Rick, I know you've done some videos on this already. Yes. Travis, I know you've had a conversation on this already as well. So, uh, But I figured we could kind of break down uh, some of the key elements, similar to what we did with, with Xbox and Activision. Um, for those who have been kind of living under a rock for some reason, um, PlayStation has uh, agreed to, or they, they're an agreement to acquire Bungie for $3.6 billion. The most interesting aspects of this, which obviously I want to hear from uh, you guys on, to me anyway, is the fact that Bungie will remain an independent subsidiary of Sony Interactive Entertainment. They will remain a multi-platform studio with the option to self-publish. They've been very clear about having what I guess they would call their continued freedom, despite being part of SIE now. And they are continuing, obviously, to uh, maintain an update and, and continue with Destiny 2 while, of course, working on the, the new IP that they've been working on for some time. Now, before we get into the comments, I want to read this uh, quote from Jim Ryan, obviously head of uh, uh, PlayStation and SIE, uh, what he said about this, because I feel it's highly relevant to the conversation of being independent. Uh, this is an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, by the way. He said, the first thing to say unequivocally is that Bungie will stay an independent, multi-platform studio and publisher. Pete, meaning Pete Parsons, the CEO of Bungie, and I have spoken about many things over recent months, and this was one of the first and actually easiest and most straightforward conclusions we've reached together. Everybody wants the extremely large Destiny 2 community, whatever platform they're on, 
to be able to continue to enjoy their Destiny 2 experiences. And that approach will apply to future Bungie releases. It can't really be much more clear, right? This is unequivocal. <laughs> he says that point blank. And, and, and I just, to back that up, they made that statement to their investors in their financial call, which is more legally relevant than game industry biz. It is, it is dyed and cast. It is in iron. Exactly. And Bungie will operate autonomously within the Sony Interactive Entertainment Organization, and they will continue to publish on other platforms. We get the importance of this. So I wanted to start with that because there's still people saying, well, Destiny will stay multi-platform, but their new IP will definitely not be on Xbox. I'm like, they, they can't make it any more clear. That's not what they're doing here. I, okay, so well, for folks that don't I, know I, me, I. I do some mergers and acquisitions uh, work. I'm a mergers and acquisitions attorney uh, does venture capital and, and does these deals all the time. Uh, please do check out the videos that I did. They're, they're a couple hours long on the Bungie stuff uh, over at Virtual Legality on my channel. But this is one of the most wild things I have ever seen in <laughs> more than 15 years of doing this stuff. Uh, because I think that the baseline understanding, and I think why you get so many people online rejecting it like a bad organ as a concept is that Sony is going to spend pretty close to $4 billion on what is not intuitive as to what they purchased, right? When, when, when you think about this normally, you think, okay, you buy a company, you're buying a certain amount of control. You're buying either exclusivity, you're buying the ability to tell them what to do. You're buying something when you buy that company. In fact, I've had that conversation across the table in my office with clients that are selling their company and don't want X, Y, or Z to happen to the thing after they sell it. And part of getting them to the table is understanding if you're going to get money, they're going to get something. And here, Bungie was adamant from moment one uh, that they're independent. They're going to be multi-platform. They control their own destiny. And that that's what they're doing with Sony. In fact, if you look at the way Bungie frames all of it, there's nothing about a acquisition. There's nothing about being sold. It's always Bungie joins Sony. It's joins is their preferred verb in all of their press releases. Um, and, you know, we can break it down absolutely because I think there's reasons why this happened and there's reasons why it can make sense for both Sony and especially Bungie who appeared to have the stronger leverage in these negotiations to be frank. But when you talk about these things, uh, it's, it's so unusual to have something like this subsidiary be able to say, we're not, we don't have to follow orders after our shareholders collect $3.6 billion. Uh, and that's what I think people are having trouble with because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Now understand Sony is going to buy the company. Sony's going to be the only shareholder of Bungie. Sony's still going to have rights to the revenue. Sony's still going to have rights to, to, to actually make money from what Bungie does. The Bungie current shareholders are cashing out. They're liquidating their position in order to cash out, to have money. That's a good day. That's, that's drink <laughs> my ties on the beach in Tahiti day. Uh, for a lot of those people, and Sony's going to get that revenue generation. And then most importantly, and what we could talk about this, and then I'll stop because I'm, I'm sure you all have thoughts, is Sony's getting institutional know-how. Sony yes. wants to move into another brand. Sony has made this very clear to its investors and to others. They want to do some other stuff that they didn't feel they had the people within their company to do. And, and one thing I would I would say about this is that you can reflect on this in comparison to the quotes we saw from Square Enix, Crystal Dynamics, and the Avengers in the last year. If you guys didn't see that story, President Square Enix goes out and says, one of the reasons the Avengers project is a problem is we don't believe Crystal Dynamics really wanted to do a live service. We don't believe they really had the experience to do a live service, and, and we're going to re-examine what that is. 
Sony looks at it and says, we make single player over the shoulder open world adventure games at this point in, in, in our, in our lifetime. Uh, we want to do live services. Their financial statements actually say we want to do 10 live service games in the next three years. And we don't actually have the institutional know-how to do that. So they look at it and say, yeah, you, you guys make destiny. More importantly, you've cracked this code in some fundamental way and we want to apply it across our entire enterprise. Um, and so we could talk more about that, but I, like I, said, I, could do, I could talk for 20 minutes on this. Kind of <laughs> I know I, you, you gave a good overview of the, the, how interesting and maybe unique, right. The, the wording is around this merger. Uh, but at the same time, you, you, your latter point there was kind of fundamental. And a lot of the conversations I've had this week with others who are more attuned to what's going on here is exactly what you said. Institutional knowledge is a good way to put it. Um, and, and Bungie are some of the leaders in this space. Some people would argue they are the leader in the space. I think it's either um, Bungie or Epic. I mean, it just depends on which yeah. direction you want to go. Yeah. And so it just, you know, from a PlayStation perspective, what I said on Cast Co-op this week is no one is arguing about PlayStation's brand loyalty, their brand power, their IP quality, their capability to produce fantastic AAA games. But live service is, is not where they exist today. And they know what the evolution of the gaming industry is happening. And who better, if anyone, to lean on as you evolve your gaming development model than Bungie? Um, it just seems to make a lot of sense in that arena. So, Travis, I'm going to go to you next because, for obvious reasons, you're our, our core Destiny guy here. You do Last Word. I'm sure you've had a lot of conversations this week mm -hmm. since this news broke. Um, you know, obviously touch on kind of your overall thoughts and the things that, uh, that Rick mentioned yeah. as well. Um, I hate it. I hate this. And I think it's a really bad, uh, bad thing for destiny and Bungie. Um, I think it's a great deal for Sony. And like you guys said, to their point, like the institutional knowledge that they're gaining, uh, as a company and kind of what they benefit from, I see as being a, a, a very, very strategic and masterful acquisition for them. Um, I, don't think that it, it it's going to work out the way that they think it's going to work out in the long term, the, the managing this sort of independent relationship. I think it'll work probably in the short term. But if uh, Bungie's uh, history of how they work with other large organizations they tend to get in bed with is any indication and also just the weirdness of it, you know, the the fact that. Um, that uh, they're they're claiming to be independent and that uh, over time that is probably going to be eroded as Bungie employees stop thinking of themselves as Bungie employees and more like PlayStation employees and kind of that institutional history starts to get eroded. People, they'll just end up being the same organization. And then at that point, who knows if they'll uh, care about making multi-plat or, or that sort of thing. Um, but um, my, my big problem with this acquisition and the reason I think it's not good is because... Sony benefits a lot. And I think I think if you're a Sony fan, if you have shareholders there, there's obviously reason to be excited about it because they're they're getting uh, the, this killer live services team uh, that I think is going to help Sony make games. Sony also announced this week that they want to make 10 live service games by 2026. So I, I totally get what that's doing there. But on the Bungie side, there's a there's a risk of there being a bit of a brain drain on the, the Bungie team and from the, the Destiny specifically project um, because they're going to be going to work on these other things. And the employee retention money, which we can get into how that's kind of not really 
I mean, I think you did a video on it, Hug, but uh, yeah, that, that's sort of what people think. It, it's actually just to keep employees at the PlayStation organization, the Sony organization, not not at Bungie necessarily, right? And so they they don't have to continue to work on Destiny to, to, for that to benefit them. Um, and uh, the the other thing is that if you look at the messaging at at why this acquisition happened, all of all of PlayStation's messaging from that is this is all about live services this is all about us expanding what we do and then if you look at the bungee side about it you know what they say this is all about tv and movies i was and gonna say i do and, and it's and it's and it's not about video games in fact they don't mention making destiny better is one of the reasons that they made this move uh and so for for people who think that oh oh all of a sudden destiny all of its problems are going to get solved because now it's part of this big corporation <laughs> and they got this influx of cash they didn't really read the room i think they didn't read this press release and see what's happening because des everybody who plays destiny knows how many damn problems this game has and we've gone through so many iterations of the game and so we've gone through so many growing pains whether it was them leaving activision them finding their first footing as a live service them removing content as hoag likes to get on a soapbox about with the uh the content vault <laughs> all of the all of these problems and then just like the game struggling over the years to kind of be consistent and and pump out content at a level that players uh, are, are okay with and all that stuff. So many problems. Every Destiny player knows this. And if if Bungie had said, hey, this acquisition is about fixing all those problems and making Destiny realize its full potential, I would be you know, 80% happier with this decision. I would still be upset, but I'd, I'd be 80% happier. But they didn't say that. They said, we sold out so that we could drop a hot single on Sony Music. That's what they said, uh, right? They said we want to make we want to make movies, want to make TV. To me, to me, this is Bungie's 2013 Xbox press conference moment where they just said TV, TV, TV. The messaging was completely tone deaf, and I hate it. I hate that. I also just I I'm okay when companies like Activision get acquired because they're big companies that I see as kind of you know they're the establishment, and they if they get eaten up. Who cares, right? That especially with Activision, they were at sort of a fail state in the way I see it. Like they they kind of needed to get killed, and that was the best outcome I could I could think of is that they get swallowed up, right? But Bungie, I viewed as like a challenger. They're like up and coming. They're that second tier people that could one day live to replace Bethesda as a large independent uh, company or replace the Activision void that was left. And I, I kind of, to me, they were the chosen ones. I've been a Bungie fan for a really long time and I wanted to see them kind of blow up and become that level of a company and seeing them cut off before they could do that and sort of giving up on the, the messaging that they were giving their fans for years at this point, where they said, we want to be independent. We want to grow ourselves organically and then just see them completely bait and switch and drop all that messaging and be like, just kidding. Now we're part of, of Sony. I just, I, it, this was heartbreaking to me seeing this news for a, a ton of reasons, the messaging around Bungie, the, 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 uh, I think disingenuous messaging about them being independent and completely ignoring the fact that there are definitely going to be changes to how the company runs, especially in the long term. Uh, the, the movie TV music bullshit, the, the fact that Bungie <laughs> is no longer going to be the indie company that, that I, that they said they wanted to be all of these reasons. I, I just, I, I felt like a gut punch to me, to be honest. And, and I'm surprised I'm the only one who seems to feel this way every show well, i've been on everybody's told me no this is great news travis like it, it's, well, great for it's great for sony right, i just disagree so there's so. let me let me do one thing real quick first before yeah, we sure. continue this conversation i 
I did admittedly completely miss a super chat, so I have to apologize. Oh, sure. Okay. And I want to throw that up. Uh, Cerebral Paul in the house, who uh, always supporting us. So, um, <laughs> as you can see, this was a little while ago in the conversation. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Morning, all. Great. He wants review. to take this back now. Uh, <laughs> Trez review helped me temper expectations. So thank you. About Paul. dying light too. Oh, so, yeah, yes. So, awesome. Thank you very much, Paul. Sorry about Glad that. Glad to hear Apologies. it. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for reading. Um, I guess what that means is our chat is flowing really well, and I'm not used to keeping up with it at this speed. So I'll, I'll get better at that. I apologize. To the moon. Um, <laughs> uh, there is someone in the chat, by the way, Travis, who said, I completely agree with Travis. Where is he? There he is. Jupiter nice. X119. Yes, I agree. It happens Travis, every though. once in a while. Every hundred well, years, I get one person agrees with me. <laughs> yeah. I already said a long piece, so I'll, I'll let the others go. But I do have a, a couple of positions to take against Travis. I'm sure everybody's surprised. Um, so yeah, I kinda, I kinda I'll, I'll, I'll wait on time. that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was say, so, so, Dan, I, I know you well enough to know you're not a big Destiny player. Nope. Um, you, you don't really tie yourself to personal investment in these companies. You just really no. focus on what's delivered. So yes. as you listen to uh, uh, Hogan and Travis talk through this, where are you at with this? I'm, I'm more of the, I, I'm not, I've been this way forever. I don't, I don't like this consolidation crap. I don't, cause I, I, I can see where it's potentially going. I know we talked about it when Hogan was on last time, but it still kind of freaks me out a little bit because you, you may get to a point where you've got, you know, I, I know Tencent is out there, but I don't even know what they're doing half the time. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, what's the other one? The starts with an E. I don't, Embracer? Is that the Embracer other Embracer Group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and these companies are, you know, they all got this slice of the pie. They, they're doing whatever they're doing. I, 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 I don't care for it. That being said, I don't also don't care about destiny. So it's, <laughs> it, I, I under, I, it's interesting to hear from two different sides, kind of, you know, I, I know Travis is a humongous fan. My son is actually a huge destiny player on PC. He loves it. Uh, he's got the witch queen uh, box set coming. You know, he's super excited. Nice. He's been playing for a while. His initial reaction was this sucks. And then he kind of got it. You know, he's, he kind of started reading into it a little bit more. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be fine. You know, and you know, he worries about maybe exclusive content and stuff like that, you know, because he said something about a, a certain some content being exclusive to one platform. And I can't remember what it was, but it was a very powerful weapon that, you know, I was just I, I, I don't it had some exclusive weaponry that lasted for an extended period of time, right. which uh, yeah. two yes. years. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and he said short of that, he's like, you know. I, I don't I have no idea what to think. He's like, I'm going to keep playing it because I like playing the game. And, sure. you know, he's kind of detached like myself. I'm more worried from a consolidation standpoint. I just don't, you know, I don't know where this is going. You know, I, 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 I question what the gaming landscape in 10 years is going to look like from, from, it's going to be weird. You know, it's going to be super weird. And, you know, I, I, I don't know, man, I, this is such a weird acquisition too, because it's, it's like you guys said, it's just like, okay, what, you know, everybody, you know, goes straight from when the Bethesda deal happened. Oh, these are going to be all exclusive. They're not. I mean, they, they came out yeah. and said it right out, right out of the, you know, it's, it's something that I've never seen. You know, it's not what you're used to with the acquisition stuff. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I really don't. It's, it's just you one know, of those things where no clue. The exclusive happen. part is interesting, but we have actually seen certain times when that's happened, especially with Microsoft's acquisition of Minecraft. Sure. I, what's yeah, yeah. weirder is the uh, is the admonitions about the future. 
right? Like it's it's understandable to say we're not going to break up Destiny Two. You know, in all honesty, that would have been a silly strategic move sure. to break up Destiny sure. Two. It's the next thing and the next thing, and we have independent publishing rights. They Bungie said more than what we just said in this video. We have full creative control, and it's like yeah. that's 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 mind blowing. So just to be clear, if Sony Interactive Entertainment is making a a, a space shooter featuring gorillas. And it just so happens that that's what Bungie wants to make. And Sony has gets on the phone and says, you know, I think it would be great if we didn't both make space guerrilla shooters. Uh, Bungie, according to their press release, according to everything that we've heard, says, yeah, no, that's what we're into now. Uh, and, and Sony, thanks for the four bills uh, a, a while back, but that's what we're going to do. Um, yep. That's 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 crazy. And, and I think Travis is right that you have institutional kind of uh, takeovers from a cultural standpoint, but at least at the highest level. What they are describing, and we can't see it because we probably never will see it because it doesn't necessarily have to be filed publicly, is a contractual obligation, is that Sony will have agreed as the shareholders of Bungie not to take, not to take out the board of Bungie and to not to question their creative choices, which is amazing uh, if you're Bungie. And it suggests that Bungie had a lot of leverage in these negotiations. Now, I agree with Travis. I believe in my video, I talk about their... Uh, they're wanting to be Marvel, wanting to have the Marvel Cinematic Universe and questioning whether or not they have the IP to actually do that. Uh, Terrible. And I it as, oh, my God. The story is the worst part of Destiny. Why would you want to make TV shows on it? It's, it's well, crazy. And I describe it as either visions of grandeur or delusions of grandeur, depending on which way you want to come at it. But I tend to lean towards delusions of grandeur. And it seems part of these conversations with Sony saying, we know you want to be independent. We're willing to give you independence, which at that point, if you're Bungie, you say, okay, we're, we're, we're listening. And we think we can make you the next big star on Sony Records and Sony Pictures and Sony Television and Lunchboxes and comic books and little tiny, uh, you know, Sabathun bears at the Build-A-Bear, whatever we got. We're going to make you Marvel. And you could see, you could see in their press release this concept of going, oh, yeah. You know, Marvel, Marvel in 05 wasn't anything. And 08 swings around. We can do that. We, we, can, we can be Marvel. Uh, and, and Sony got their ear. And, and I think it's somewhat crazy. I don't think Bungie can do that. Although, I'm, as I said in my videos, I'm always for ambition. Go nuts. See if you can do it. I don't quite see the negative ramifications that you do, Travis, because I, I think they won the negotiation. I, I think oh, they did, they, for sure. I just think that their entire reason for negotiating and selling was bullshit. I just think it was a terrible move. The, the, the reason for their negotiating and selling is th they have 3.6 billion reasons. I mean, that, that's, that's the answer to that story. Yeah, yeah, there you I mean, go. If you, everybody's for sale at a big enough number. I mean, I, that, sure. that's the truth. We don't have to, you, you don't have to think about it that way. But Bungie is independent and wants to be independent. And they value that internally at $2 billion, you know, whatever. And you pass that threshold and then you say, okay, now, now we're talking about what the terms are. Um, so the only thing I, I wanted to disagree with you on, at all there was the notion that Bungie didn't say they were going to be enhancing their products. I mean, the, the last line of their press release is effectively the most immediate change you will see is an acceleration in hiring. If this speaks to you, we're hiring across all disciplines for Destiny 2 and our worlds beyond. That, to me, is them saying this should be something that you can look forward to as content uh, because we're going to be able to throw more resources at it. I, I, that's what it was yeah. designed for. You don't have to agree with them. You don't even have to believe they're telling you the truth. But I do think they at least had a hand wave towards this is going to make your game better. I think that's in that press release. Yeah, I, I, th I think it probably is a hand wave. It's definitely not the headline. It's not the reason that they kind of highlighted for selling their company. And it's also 
they were they've been hiring like gangbusters for uh, a long time because they were also independently raising money. Uh, they were they raised like uh, 350 million, I think it was in the last uh, last six months and stuff like that. So this is this is sort of like an overall trend. But uh, they I, I they kind of told everyone that they were just going to be raising money and, and building out their company and all this stuff. And then that they were going to remain independent and, and that sort of stuff. And, and this is sort of a reversal of it. Although they do have some independence. Uh, at least for well, now. I mean, but there's going to be more resources from Sony. And I, and I think the other part for of sure. the story. That but but I think it might go the opposite way. I think Bungie might end up providing more resources to Sony because they're doing this for the brain trust of Bungie. And I see if they want to do 10 live service games, I could see a lot of Bungie people getting pulled into just greater Sony, uh, you know, uh, studios and starting to work on projects that aren't even really Bungie Studio games, and and I it's, that's it's, what worries me. It's possible, possible, but Sony's dream world there is that they want it to metastasize. They they want you to train sure. the three guys at Sony Santa Monica, and they they want they they don't want to pull from from the, what's working at Bungie. That in an ideal world, you're not wrong. Yeah. That sometimes that world doesn't exist, um, yeah. and and that can happen. That you can have that brain drain. Uh, but I I look at it and say. The, the, the win here is on Bungie's side. Sony needed Sony clearly didn't have the leverage in these negotiations. You can ask why. Part of that is live services. Part of that, I do think, is Game Pass. Part of that is looking yeah. at whatever Spartacus is going to be and saying, well, if Call of Duty isn't going to be on it, which the one thing we can be sure of is that if Call of Duty gets sold to Microsoft, it can be on Sony's platforms, but it's not going to be on their Game Pass. Then we For need sure. something in the shooter genre that's going to work and attract people and who else is better at shooters than Bungie? And so that puts Sony yeah. in a position where they're, they're, they're spending $4 billion, which on its face doesn't make a lot of sense to analysts that are used to looking at just assets and EBITDA, right? You saw sure. Michael Pachter come out this week and say they vastly overpaid. And I can see how you get to that, right? The revenue I, from I, Destiny. I, yeah. Well, the, the revenue from Destiny, the assets. So the financial analysts in America are used to looking at, here's the revenue generation. Let's take it out for 10 to 15 years. What does that look like? What should the yeah. multiple be? And then you arrive at $1 billion or, or what have you, right? Sony, being a Japanese company, looks at things slightly differently. One of which is that synergy concept. One of which is that institutional know-how, which says, hey, yeah. if we can get three Apex Legends out of this thing by getting Destiny's folks, then this thing pays for itself five-fold, exactly. right? EA bought, EA bought Respawn for $455 million. You think they're happy about that transaction, even though that looked ludicrously highly priced when, you know, Titanfall 2 isn't selling anything, Titanfall isn't doing much? It, it looked pretty pretty highly priced when it happened. And EA said, yeah, that Apex Legends looks pretty good, which is another yeah. part of the story as it is, which is we know from the press release and what Sony released, every indication is that whatever the next big thing is from Bungie is pretty darn close, like announcement pretty soon. And Sony got to see it and say, well, we're going to evaluate that in the purchase price that we pay. Um, and if yeah. they think they've got an Apex Legends plus success, then, you know, 3.6 billion becomes a lot more understandable, a lot faster. Uh, yeah. Than it might and I, and I think uh, I, I agree with you, Hoke, that uh, Bungie won the negotiation. I just think oh, that yeah. Sony is going to win. Sony wins by what they're getting from this this deal, like in terms of, you know, dollars, uh dollars uh kind of already spent right like they're they're gaining a ton as a company and i don't think bungie's gaining a ton for their game i think they're they're offering a lot to sony and then what they're getting in return is they get to have an anime now you know and i i just uh i, I just we'll don't, see. to your point i would just like to savagely agree with you about the mcu thing i think it is a colossal uh misuse of their time because the the difference people like to draw uh, correlations between like star wars 
and between between like the witcher and all these other things and the difference between those properties is that the thing that kicked it off the thing that started it were really good star wars movies were really good and they said okay sure. let's make comic books and tv shows and books and all that stuff the witcher books were incredible and so they said let's make video games and movies and yada yada destiny's story has never been good and and it's it's one of its weakest parts and in order to make it good they have to add these grimoire entries and it's super hard to follow and i just think that it you can't win by making a tv show or a movie because if the movie's good then people go oh wow the story was so good in that movie let me go play that game and they're immediately disappointed because none of that is going to be in the game right it's just it's going to have this cognitive dissonance or it's just like what what the hell's going on and then it, like it, 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 if, if the movie's bad, right, which is always a risk, then then it just hurts the property. At, at Sony so, Pictures, like, yes, Uncharted yeah, looks exactly. amazing. Sony Pictures are bad. Yeah. Did you just say Uncharted stuff. looks amazing? Sarcastically. Okay, he thank was being God. Sarcastic as hell. <laughs> no, but so yeah. that's what I, that's I, the funny part when I'm when I'm you know doing my thought experiments on the bungee negotiations. It's like you can just imagine Sony rolling into me like, look at this Uncharted. Look at what we did here. It's like, oh. That doesn't. That's not going to win me over to, to to signing up with you from those trailers. But you know, hey, no, I agree with you entirely. You start with something good and then you work off of that. I, I also, though, have a lot of experience, unfortunately, with CEOs and high level executives that have the delusion of grandeur kind of concept, which is we can't. We, we're not. We're not just a video game company, right? We're a. What did they describe it? It's like a multimedia entertainment empire, is what they want, and, it, yeah. and it's like. Okay, great. I, you know that that's great if you can get it. What, what are you basing it on? You, you're gonna go uh, make uh, an Oni cartoon? That's the, you know we'll see if that works out for you. I'd love to see it's some probably the new property stuff. they haven't announced yet. Would be my guess. So yeah, that's probably. Yeah, I would say that if like most of this story, it's possible that there's more marketability in whatever the next big thing is, and and that's what they're working on. But I think it's mostly Sony whispering sweet nothings into their ear. Do you realize For if sure. you sell to us, we have all of these people. We'll get you in the room with the folks that produce our movies, with the people that make our TV. And at the same time, remember, at the, these negotiations are taking place, Halo is preparing to come out on, on Paramount Plus, right? So they're the looking at Halo it. was good before they did a TV show. That's all I'm it, saying. Destiny it is, but from Bungie's perspective, right? That's the one that got away. That's the IP they lost. And they're looking at it and being like, well, clearly... We're master storytellers. We can have yeah. a, a bungee cinematic universe. It's about <laughs> damn time, isn't it, Sony? And Sony says, yes, our, our frequent movie success is going to take you to the promised land, Bungie. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I see that playing out exactly like that. And uh, I, yeah, I do think I, it's illusions of grandeur. Totally agree. And I think Bungie's eyes are bigger than their stomach on this one. Yep. And they're going to get in real trouble if they try to build outward and, and make the story and destiny retroactively good by all these things around it that are good. And, and well, you, you know, say they'll get in trouble as an institution. That's probably right. The people are cashing out. I mean, like that. Oh, for understand. sure. They're, they're good. The they're story. good. Yeah. 100%. They got paid and then maybe they're masters of the universe. So it's like they won. They won that negotiation. Give us our three point six billion, and then we'd love to be Marvel. And yeah, if that accrues to you, we'll just take your normal bonuses for how great we are. And if it doesn't, well, you know what? You bought the risk. We didn't. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, they benefit from I, everything. Hold on, just give me a second here, guys. Sure. Because I'm, 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 my head's hurting. What did Sony get out of this then? That they couldn't have done by hiring some of those people at. Bungie away that I, I think it was an accurate hire. 
So yeah, I, I think mean, it was it's, an it's accu a, hire. Yeah, move. As opposed to just getting like, because it sounds like they paid three point six million dollars or billion dollars. I'm sorry for consulting, and then <laughs> some. <laughs> you know, well, we understand that they get they get what Bungie gets, right? So whatever Bungie was functioning on in terms of revenue, they can't mm-hmm. control it, but that's accruing to them now. Um, so, you know, a couple hundred million from destiny, whatever the next big thing is, I I truly believe it's a live services game that they think is apex legends. Plus, I I mean, I, I really do think that they think that there's something of value there that'll, that'll accrue almost instantaneously because a lot of this Mm -hmm. doesn't make sense at that price without that. Um, but they also believe in the synergies. So yeah, you say consulting, but you, what I try to tell people is you can't just take a big pot of money and make people manifest in front of you. You can't put the people that have the skill set that you need uh, with the team coordination that they need for something like live services, not to mention back-end stuff, right? Sony's bad at the the meta stuff and talking to the community about and working through live services that way. There's a ton of back-end stuff that Bungie has solved uh, pretty well, right? For the most part, Destiny has a lot of problems in how it operates, but it functions in a way that we don't really worry about it, and Travis can correct me on this, as, as not working in fundamental aspects of what they're choosing to do. Uh, and that's that's behind the scenes. It's just It just works, but that's, that's really, really important to developing that kind of goodwill. So I, I think Travis is right. They bought the whole company to be that kind of consultants, as you say, but that's because that's what makes sense. And it's not that unusual in tech. Uh, if you look at a it's, lot it's of companies- accu- We call it accu-hiring in the tech world. Uh, you, you buy it for the people, basically. The, you buy it for, for yeah, and, and, and it's doing it's for doing something that you don't feel is one of your core competencies at, at your right. place of business. Sony looks at what they're doing. They look at where the market's going. They say the revenue lives in live services right now. Love it or hate it. I don't love it, right? I love single player narrative games, but that's where it lives. And you're not doing your job if you don't try to get into it. What's the quickest, quick is important here. What's the quickest and most substantial way that you can get that knowledge into your institution? And they have $3.6 billion to do it. And, and I think we're going to talk about it, but it's not $3.6 billion up front. Um, and so Sony did win an important concession as part of that story that got, yeah. um, I don't want to say misreported, got interestingly reported around this week as to what in the world was happening with what I look at as a purchase price holdback, which we can, of course, talk about. Uh, 1.2 billion, which they're calling uh, employee staying benefits, which is yeah, and they're going to get to expense it. They're going to get tax benefits. Bungie didn't get that. Uh, it, Bungie didn't win on that deal term, and that's what I was trying to explain to people. Uh, generally speaking, this is pretty easy to understand. You'd prefer to have the 1.2 billion in your pocket than have to wait for it for three years. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, yeah. So I mean, you could say yeah, Sony's right out here that. on a payment plan uh, for they acquiring Bungie. Well, yeah. in a different context, we would call it seller financed, right? You see seller finance deals all the time, which essentially says, "I don't got it right now, uh, but we're going to give you a promissory note for the value, and we're going to pay you on uh, a quarterly basis, or we're going to pay you in a yearly, and then a balloon, whatever it looks like." That's seller financing because seller essentially has the equity in the company, and they're saying, "All right, we'll accept it for a while uh, because we know you can't, you know, maneuver." this much cash. And Sony mm-hmm. is not Microsoft. Sony is cash, not strapped exactly, but cash conscious. Uh, and mm-hmm. so actually moving a billion dollars down a few years and not having and getting to treat it as an expense of actually operating their companies. And there's uh, a cliff pretty, too. They might not have to pay at all. Well, I mean, yes, it's going to be actually based on people staying. Some people won't. Um, and so it won't be a full 1.2. That's, that's definitely true. Correct. Yeah. 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 So I think, honestly, I think, uh, from a acquisition standpoint, the uh, fundamentally what Sony gets out of this, what Bungie gets out of this, and the methodology behind it, I think we've covered that. So if you want to 
just go ahead and segue into the specifics on the uh, the 1.2 billion versus sure. the remaining 2.4 and how those differentiate. We could touch on that. I don't know if it's a hugely interesting topic from the from the deal perspective. Hey, don't make unique. fun of Hogue's entire business model right now. Just, Come on, man. Just so His entire clear. business model is not interesting content. That <laughs> oh my god! Interesting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, scoreboard on uh, subscribers here, Travis. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I, I no, said no, you no. make it interesting, okay. but it's not an All interesting right. topic. No, no, no. I, it's so yeah. funny, right? Because I, I try to title these videos, and one of the original titles was something like understanding retention plans and bonuses. I was like, I wouldn't even watch that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to how to say it more interestingly. Um, and then, yeah, somebody this, – this is a joke. This is only for here. Uh, somebody had commented on how boring my thumbnail was when I did a question and answer. I'm trying some new things. I streamed a question and answers to my original Bungie uh, video this week. I think it went pretty well, but I just had a question mark on it. And somebody was complaining about the boringness. And so when I did the retention bonuses video, I found a picture of a retention pond uh, royalty free. And I, it's just the top uh, of my video. And I can't imagine anything more boring than it. it's just a pond. If you go look at yeah. the thumbnail to that I, I video. Honestly, honestly, Hug, I think it's part of your brand. And I did not mean that as an insult at all. I, I actually think it's impressive <laughs> that it, have you guys ever done this? You click on a Hogue YouTube video and you're like, all right, I don't need to see 40 minutes of this. I just want the high level. I'm just going to watch 10 minutes of this video. And then you end up watching the whole thing. It's crazy. Like I, uh, it's hard to just watch the intro to a Hogue video. Uh, partially because the preamble is, I, is saying, a lot I knew you were going to say because they're so long, the substance hasn't even hit. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, not just that, but like you get into it and then and then you bring up the next topic and you're like, all right, actually, but I do want to know about that too. And so it, it's very <laughs> no. So, I mean, the basics of this are Sony has a financial report on Groundhog Day, February 2nd. And part of this is they put all their financials out there and they give a speech, they talk to their investors and they have they do a really good job of summarizing it, putting bullet points out there. This gets grabbed by journalists and it gets reported in a couple places as essentially like Bungie wins the deal. Well, let me let me back up a step. The most important part is 3.6 billion is the top line number that Sony puts out there. And in their own press release, they say that's purchase price and committed employee incentives, I want to say, is the phrase that they use, which there's some ambiguity around, but it means retention bonuses, as we later find out. Um, and so I pointed that out in my first video. I said, that's weird to comment on. Right, because behind the scenes here, just so that your viewers know, or our viewers know, uh, is that uh, this happens in every single deal. You do not want to purchase a company and walk into an empty storefront, walk into an empty headquarters. What you are getting is the creative minds here when you're buying a creative company. So you better believe that certain key employees at ZeniMax got retention bonuses and retention agreements as part of that deal. You better believe that that'll happen at Activision as well. Microsoft doesn't mention it because for the most part, these are usually about 1% of the deal price, right? So it's it's not an insubstantial amount of money when we're talking about these deals. Yeah, the, the deals in the stratosphere. But what happened with Sony is they put out in their financials, hey, we're going to have to, uh, and this is on their accounting slide, which is where I think people get a little bit more confused. We're going to have to pay $2.4 up front. And then there's $1.2 for employee shareholders that'll be deferred over what looks to be three years. They say it's over a number of years and two thirds of it will be gone in two. You know, we could do our own math there. Looks like it's a three year retention plan that they've put together. But what that got reported on is Sony's being ultra generous to Bungie employees. Bungie bent them over a table and got more money here. And I think what people miss in how that works is that they really 
believe $3.6 billion is the purchase price. That's how it's presented. 33% of that, they're holding back. They're saying, well, we're really worried that this isn't the value that we need if we don't get, frankly, at least three years of work out of, out of you people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to say, we're going to hold a billion dollars, a billion, and we're going to dole it back out to you, provided that you're still with the company, you're still performing services for us after time. To my mind, just based on the outside looking in, it's the one Sony obvious win that we can see here, which is, all right, we'll give you your independence. We'll pay you $3 billion plus for a company that has one property right now. And all we ask is we are going to hold that for a bit because what's really important is that this is a talent acquisition contract. It isn't even a destiny contract. Uh, and so that's what Sony did. That's where people get confused. It's not Sony being generous. It's Sony being hardball. This was one of their negotiation stances. It's not a win for Bungie. It's it's Bungie saying, okay, that makes sense. We, we believe we're going to be there for three years. We believe all our people are going to want to do this. That makes sense to us. That's the value of our company. You don't see reference to milestones. Sometimes you see in those retention bonuses, you have to release this game and has to do this revenue. It does this kind of thing. You don't see reference to that in the Sony financial statements. What they told their investors was that they felt this would all be time accrued. Two thirds of it would be gone at the two year mark. Uh, and so what we can take is that they deferred payments, a promissory note for three years, or at least on an annual basis for that three years uh, throughout the period. That, that's all that it is. Uh, I don't know whether that's interesting. Uh, to folks or not. But one of the things that virtual reality exists for and I jump on is if I see things getting reported in a way that I feel is at least misleading. And I don't like to, I, this stuff is weird and tricky and bizarre. And so I always try to give quotes when people ask them of me, but also I do those videos when I say that this is fundamentally wrong in terms of which direction this was going. And so I try to correct that when I see it. Yeah. And, no, and it's good clarity. Yeah. clarity for the yeah. And I think it's exactly kind of what we were talking about um, is hopefully that, you know, you've just provided some insight. This conversation has provided some insight that you won't find elsewhere. That's the point, right? So, well, to be fair, in my professional career, I've never dealt with a billion dollar holdback. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what it is. And you can tell, as I said, when it's a 33%, it's not that they won 33% bonuses. It's that the purchase price yeah. is being held back. I mean, it's, it's clear as day to me, but I understand how folks can read it the opposite way. Because if you think oh, they, re they agreed on a 2.4 billion, uh, 2.4 as I think is right, billion dollar purchase price, then Bungie somehow extracted another billion too. Uh, it, it looks that way, but that's that's not- So that here's, a, here's a question, anything. Uh, Hoke. Yeah. If, uh, if the Activision Blizzard deal had a 1% uh, employee uh, holdback, right? Like a employee, uh, is that more money than the 1.2? Because the deal is so much bigger. If I'm not mistaken, it would be 700 million. 700 million. So it's like, that, it's kind of, it's kind of close though, even at 1%. Yeah, it is kind of close. Am I doing so that good. right though? I mean, it's 10% uh, would be 7 billion, give or take. So I think 1% yeah, yeah. 700. Yeah. Isn't, isn't it typical to be two to 3% though? So that deal might not be 1%. It might be more. I don't, I don't uh, know. Generally don't speaking, when the deals get bigger, the percentages get smaller because as a real money in your pocket, you do, there's not a big difference between a million and a million two. You get to you get to the million, mm -hmm. they're, they're substantially motivated to stay. So as the deal right. size gets bigger for all the assets, the budget for uh, retention bonuses goes down. But yeah, it could be 2%. We don't know what they negotiated. Uh, generally yeah. speaking, I think it's almost always between uh, one and three. Gotcha. Gotcha. By the way, Dennis says uh, now he wants a shocked or angry face hoax for his thumbnail. Don't do it. Like, 
Don't do it. Keep the legalese. Uh, it's your brand. I, so I think I think I have okay. I think I have seven hundred and fifty some odd videos in my channel. I don't think my face is on any of them. People sometimes get you got to do, do the explosion on the side and uh, I've used horrible. the red arrow once. I think I used the red <laughs> arrow once on a football video. The red arrow. Yeah. Yeah. I I, but no, I, I don't have my face on, which is interesting because I'm also not appearing on my channel very often. Um, because I like to do it uh, without uh, the facial work, the, without the, the video. Um, and sometimes I use the subject's uh, photo in my thumbnails. And people are like, oh, I thought you looked different. I was like, that's that's Bobby Kotick. Do you think I'm Bobby Kotick? No, I don't have a bank account. However you feel about it. Like, no, that's not me. Have you not seen Moneyball? That's you. That's yeah. So I, we, I do get those comments from time to time. It's like, oh. You should just put the hat. That should be your logo. Just, just the hat just that you always wear yeah, you know, yeah. on the side of the thumbnail. There you go. Yeah, I'll break out the hair at some point. People think I'm bald. It's no, I just the like hair brand. reveal. We got to get a, yeah. get a hair reveal from Hogue. That'd be great. I just, I just like yeah. to brand. I, you know, I've been doing this. I've been out on my own for you know six years. I just like to, I just like to have things with brand on it. It's great. It's good. Nothing wrong with that. All right, guys. I, I know, I know something about brand myself. Yes, you do. You have a good brand. I mean, it yeah. makes you dress up more often than you probably would otherwise, but it's a good brand. <laughs> So we've uh, we've kind of covered uh, again. Spent quite a bit talking about PlayStation Bungie. Is there any other thought before we jump into our kind of other kind of core topics from the week? You want to add? No, let's move on. Travis, we, by we, the way, there were several people that said they agreed with you. So that's uh, you. I, wanna... I'm happy to hear that. It's apparently it's just the Destiny community that disagrees with me. Yeah, you. Though, so. You may want to screenshot this and save it for future reference. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have it framed. <laughs> I haven't heard that take before. I was. I, I think that's very interesting. I like it. <laughs> all right guys so we got uh this week uh, i'm gonna stay on playstation for the time being because we got uh the state of play presentation for gran turismo 7 and we also got the uh developer kind of presentation for ghostwire tokyo which uh Ooh, funny enough made so Mango game work which is now going back to acquisitions is now an xbox company but this is a game that was uh, already agreed upon to be playstation 5 exclusive for a time and uh, that game is now first coming Japanese on. Xbox Studio. If I'm not I was saying. gonna say a notably Japanese studio for everyone that keeps DMing me about whether American companies can buy Japanese studios. I, I might have to do a video. Just, uh, Japanese studios tend to not like to be sold to non-Japanese companies. So yeah, yeah, I mean Shinji Mikami at that right, creator of Resident Evil, so his studio. So um, yeah. I wanted to touch on both of these because they're both coming out in March, March fourth for Gran Turismo Seven, March twenty fifth now for Ghostwire Tokyo. They're obviously vastly different games. Um, I, I we've joked before, obviously Travis about being a car guy, and uh, <laughs> what I thought of Gran Turismo. I, I don't know if any of the three of you are highly interested in this, but um Gran Turismo holds a special place in our hearts car guys hearts right it when it came out on PlayStation 1 it, it legitimately revolutionized racing video games um and GT1 and GT2 are some of the kind of the all-time class I still have my original copies of those games um because they just hold a special place now over the past several years GT is kind of you know, I don't want to say fallen off because GT Sports is a very good game nowadays. It grew into a good game, but their releases have been very far apart. They haven't always landed with the kind of significance of the early GTs. But what I'm seeing out of seven looks fantastic. It looks to be that full Gran Turismo experience of yesteryear finally back at the forefront of racing video games. And I'm hugely, hugely excited for it. I don't know if any of you guys are looking forward to this as well. I, I have to be I honest. I would love it. Go ahead. 
Oh no, I was going to say I have to be honest that I think Horizon is basically my where my racing games live. A lot of people like. Yeah, um, a lot of people. So, it, Gran Turismo always, well, at least recently, strikes me as somewhat cold take on on racing uh, compared to Horizon. I usually describe as a party in a box. You go, you chill, you listen to good music, you, you you race against a plane or you know a cruise ship or whatever it is you're doing, um, and and that's cruise ship. They that kind of makes one. me where I live. That's just, hey, look out for the next horizon. You don't know. <laughs> um, and so I, I I respect Gran Turismo more than I like it at this point, but I totally agree with you in Gran Turismo one and two. That's but I, back in the day before I was a lawyer, I worked at Electronics Boutique, and I worked at Electronics Boutique for the release of Gran Turismo two. And that was the one where I would get freaking shouted at by people coming in and, and saying, where, where's Gran Turismo 2? Uh, and I remember that because I, my response used to be like, I can't, I can't just make it appear. I'm not hiding it in a drawer. I don't, we don't have any. I'm very sorry that you failed. Oh, to my God. I really, really love to see some photos of uh, Electronic Store. Maybe. I don't know if I have photos. Beautiful. I'll look. I'll look. Right. It's, you know, that's, it's that era. It's the That'd late 90s. great. Oh. To be to be sold a uh, a copy of Grand Theft Auto or uh, Grand Turismo two from from Richard Hogue would be great. Right. Um, if I had one, see, this is yeah. angry parents would come in and be like, I, "It's not my fault. It's December twenty third. I, you know, we do what we can for you." Right. Um, yeah, I I loved uh, the old Grand Turismos. Those were actually my first racing games, and uh, aside from you know the arcade ones where you got the wheel and all that, uh, but. Um, uh, yeah, and, and and I also basically learned to drive from those games. Doing those driver's license tests was incredibly like helpful in like understanding. You know, it was something I never understood about cars is that they move when you do nothing. Like when they're in drive, they just like go forward on an automatic yeah, car, you know. And then and then you have to like tell it to not move. Like that to me was like mind boggling. Like the idea, I just always assumed that. The car doesn't move by default, and then you hit you hit the pedal and it moves. But it's like no, 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 it moves on its own, and then you have to like tell it to not move, which to me was like, what? Why would you build it that way? Um, See, I want a Thai guy Travis driver's license exam that features a glowing endpoint where you have to drive it as fast as you can and skid to a yeah. stop within it That's as his right, driver's yeah. exam. Yeah, you actually you actually just idled the entire way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, <laughs> But yeah, I I I really really like uh, liked Gran Turismo, and then and then kind of like Wayne said, it the series sort of fell off for me. I also just think that uh, Forza Motorsport, which is also kind of uh, a, a simulator more than an arcade racer like uh, Forza, um, does a better job at at a lot of the stuff Gran Turismo is trying to do. Especially the thing I I think it gets so well is like the warmth. Like if you play a motor, uh, Forza Motorsport game, they feel like warm, like love letters to like racing and cars. And you just yeah. feel like happy there. Whereas Gran Turismo is trying to be like sexy and cool. And I just don't think it has worked really at all. It's like the the warmth of, of Forza Motorsport has just been so much better. So I would love um, I would love to see Gran Turismo return to form. And I also think that... Um, we could use the competition, frankly, in the Absolutely. racing space. I think the Sims space has sort of been monopolized by Forza Motorsport for a while, and I think it would be nice to give them a kick in the pants and uh, and you know see if they can up their game. And I, I would love that. So I'm excited for it. I thought I think the reveal and everything they've showed so far is cool, but uh, I have my doubts for sure uh, about it actually pulling it off just because of their track record recently. 
Yeah, and, and Forza, um, you know, Turn 10, working on the Forza Motorsport kind of reboot, if you will, for next-gen. It's next-gen only, whereas Gran Turismo 7 is cross-gen. Um, you know, we know that Forza is coming down the line. We don't know if it's coming this year. There's no release date. But, I, you know, again, I was fortunate enough to talk to some people who are have played it and are part of that kind of development test team. And it's sounding like it's going to shape up to be something truly special. So, to your point, I hope Gran Turismo is, is excellent and it even pushes the bar further for motorsports. So... Dan, you you are uh, similar to Hogue. I know much more of the Horizon guy than the the sim racer. Does this interest you at all, or are you not really? Yeah, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, it, <laughs> this is. A, but I, I think that about most racing games. You know, with Forza, the new one, I played five hours, and I was like, well, that's the same game I played for the past ten years. So it's it's, it's it looks pretty. It just looks nice. I mean, I mean, it's much better, but it's just it's still the same thing. I mean, it's like playing Madden every year or or, or baseball. You know, and it, I so I have to have that certain level of interest for a game like that too for me to purchase something. This will not be happening, uh, not with this game. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's I I love Forza Motorsport. You know, like that's that's, and I, I did love those older Gran Turismo games as well. It's just it, it gets so like I know you don't have to really get into like the fine tuning of the cars and doing all that stuff, but you know it's 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 really it's a little bit much for me. You know. I, I just kind of stay away from this kind of stuff. So it's both of these games that, you know, that they talked about this week with the state of mini state of plays or the, excuse me, the presentations, you know, that I, I was like, man, I, I, I'm not going to play any one of these. <laughs> <laughs> sucks. Let, let, let's go ahead and segue to Ghostwire Tokyo then, because yeah. this game that, at least in my opinion, guys, hasn't showed well to date. Um, it's kind of bizarre. People didn't really know what it wanted to be. The, the presentation we got last year, the video of it was just like, what, what is this game? Um, and so we got a much deeper presentation this week and, uh, the team kind of showed a lot to it. it. It still looks absolutely bizarre and I still don't fully know what it's trying to be, but I am intrigued and I like being intrigued. I like bizarre. I like weird. And so, um, I, I am going to pick this one up and, and really check it oh, out. Yeah. I hope obviously it's, I hope it's great. Uh, I really enjoy the Evil Within games. I think Tango is a de- uh, talented studio. Obviously, they have a track record and, and employees there who have created uh, truly special things in their past development history. So um, I hope this is really good. Uh, there was a report that at one point in time they were making Evil Within 3, and this evolved and changed into its own thing, and so they made it a new IP. Um, but it looks it looks wild. I don't even know really how to describe this game. I'm so it, excited. I, I I think I trust Tango GameWorks implicitly because everything that they make is crazy and and falls to the wall weird and it it works. Like I I had no idea what I was really getting into with the Evil Within and even if you play the first Evil Within and then immediately jump to Evil Within two, they're so different that it's like what the heck? Like Evil Within two is like an RPG basically and it it's it got like open world uh, areas and stuff. So I just I I think that. Um, let them be weird. Let them make this crazy game. And I'm, I'm just going to go in completely blind and play it. But I'm so excited. I, I, I think they're such a talented studio. And they do things yeah. that are unique. That's the most important thing to me, I think. They do. Just like, they do. It's different. Yeah. You know you're getting an experience you're not going to get anywhere else. So, yeah. Rick, this would be interesting because we haven't had this conversation with you yet as you, as you join the panel. Is where do you stand on horror games in general? Oh, I like them. Uh, but horror to me encompasses a lot of different types of game, to be honest with you. Um, my favorites are kind of the slightly campy, 
evil scientists in the basement, Resident Evils, the, the original kind of recipe, rather than, uh, while I absolutely love Resident Evil 7 as a VR experience, I think it's one of the best um, that we actually have out there. Uh, I don't tend to love the kind of, I don't know what it is, uh, you know, grimy, disgusting, you're, you're sure. working through the, that kind of environment. I don't tend to love the jump scare games where you're unarmed and hiding in closets. Uh, <laughs> but as an overall concept, I, I do like horror. I do like Resident Evil. One of my favorite games ever made is a game called Soma. I don't know if you've discussed yeah. that here, mm. uh, which is essentially mm. premised more on existential dread than any other kind of horror. Uh, I love that. You can get me in the existential dread zone. That's that's where I like to be. Um, Evil Within Two. Spoken I like was, a true lawyer. Hey, there you go. That's that. Hey, we have very high depression rates and other things. So you know, it, it, is, know, it is what it is. It's that kind of career. But Evil Within Two, I thought was a big step up from Evil Within. Uh, I really enjoyed Evil Within Two in a way that I, Evil Within One, felt like they were finding themselves and how to not be mm -hmm. Resident Evil, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm interested in this. I, I do think outside of just horror, there is, a, there is a place somewhere where it gets too weird for me, especially from kind of Japanese companies where I, it, it becomes difficult for me to engage with. I find this happens sometimes with like the Shin Megami titles. Um, so I'm hopeful that it stays within a place where I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Feels to me like it, those sevens that I talked about before where you're doing some weird stuff and that's, that's where you're living. Uh, but it's not going to work for everybody, and it probably won't work in every iteration of the ideas that they try. They're an experimental kind of house in, in the way I think about them. Um, and so I, I will give it a chance. I like to give everything a chance, especially if it has a novelty factor. I'm not sure whether it will turn out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Dan, we, we joke all That's the time. That's exciting, though. Yes, it is. Yeah, and, and Dan, we joke all the time about horror with you, of course. But did you did you check out this presentation? I know you said yeah. you're not really interested in it, but do you think it's something that you would ever kind of give a shot or it just doesn't interest you at all? I mean, just based on what I saw during the presentation, I think it's right there on the cusp of, I think I might be able to play this and enjoy it without having a heart attack. And, and it, you know, it, it's just... The animations look really cool. Some of the stuff that they were doing, you know, they looked really cool. I didn't look super scary to, you know, like I can deal with, you know, crazy looking faces and like, you know, the the weird looking monsters. That doesn't bother me. It's the jump scares. It's the 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 feeling of, you know, what's around this corner. The suspense is why I failed on Dying Light, you know, the original. So it was, yeah. you know, as soon as we went to nighttime, I was done. So, uh they eased up on nighttime in Dying Light too, as best I can Did tell. They? In case that interests you, it's not. Yeah, it's I mean, not that. It's not that kind of horror, uh, really, as much as it's action correct. horror. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, and there there are still some games that, I, that have horror elements that I enjoy. I mean, there there there's some out there. It's just I just don't like. I just can't deal with the jump scares. You know. Yeah. It, it, it comes to the I point where you know it's like, do I get my Twinkies, and potentially make my heart explode, or you know <laughs> play a horror game. You know, and I'll go with the Twinkies nine times out of ten. Did you ever so. give Resident Evil Seven in VR a try? That Definitely. one, that one is super fun to put people in the helmet. I, I, they, I, I, I didn't buddy, get past the gate in the regular Resident Evil yeah, Seven. Said, yeah, we, we, Dan is a resident kind of non-horror guy that we like to joke with about. I love so. it. No, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can still hear my buddy scream. I put him in VR and Resident Evil Seven. I said, just, just roll with this. We'll just see how it goes. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Have you played uh, Have you played Half Life Alex in VR? I haven't because I don't have all those fancy, super expensive uh, 
uh, VR helmets. But uh, no, I want right. to. Uh, yeah, you should. If I yeah, were Sony, that's, that's that, what I would. If I were Sony, I would. That's what I would license for the PSVR two. Hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Uh, super chat here from Mr. Bizzle himself. Yeah, man. Bizzle with the five dollars super chat. I'm fashionably late as always. Sucks being a night shifter. Welcome to the SG crew, ho. Thank you. So Everybody's thank you, been man. so kind. I'm, I'll get the negative comments after a few episodes. Nah, yeah. We don't do that here. Don't <laughs> do that here. Thank you, Bizzle. As always, Speak brother. for yourself, thank okay? You. I get a lot of hate in the comments. And I'm proud. Okay? <laughs> you bring that upon yourself, you know? It's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to save uh, – We're next. tell you what, that's going to be a bigger discussion. I think we're going to save the Google topic for next week. But I did want to ask you guys about this update we got for Battlefield. Um, because it seemed so tone deaf that I don't even really know what to do with it. So we've talked before around Battlefield 2042 landing flat. They came out in their investor call, didn't even mention it's, you know, they said the sales were underwhelming. It's not where they want it to be. Uh, all, all this kind of negativity around the game. Player numbers are way down. Um, and basically they came out this week on a Battlefield briefing directly from senior producer Ryan MacArthur. And he said, you've waited patiently to hear from us on what we're doing to address the issues with Battlefield. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but here is quite literally the full update, which was they're refreshing the in-game scoreboard. They're adding all platform voice communication so you can talk to each other. They're updating it so you can update your profile a little better, like your stats and your picture. And then for the people who paid $120, the Ultimate Edition buyers, you're getting some cosmetics. Other than that, they said they're doing a new feedback loop where they're going to take issues and concerns from players more seriously and allow that, you know, easier basically to communicate with the dev team. That's it. That's what they came out and said after three months of poor performance and the game basically dying in front of them. Uh, there was no roadmap to content. There is no talking about fixes or how they're going to evolve the game to be a better experience. I mean, literally nothing other than here's a few cosmetics. We're listening and uh, you're going to have a new scoreboard to be able to talk to each other. Does this seem absolutely bizarre to anyone else? It just it seems completely at odds with anything the community wants to hear. And immediately, I, I assume, assume I got to assume on top of this, they're also doing patches, right? They, they must they have, have been doing yeah, patches since This statement is related to the delay. This statement is related yeah. to them delaying their season pass stuff. Yes, Got yes, it. it is. But and they are doing patches for the game, but the I think the problem is the game seems so fundamentally broken from even a design perspective. For to, to give you an example of that, right? It's a 128 player game, 64 and 64 is what the game, the core Battlefield 2442 experience was designed around. They actually lowered it. To 32 on 32 to try and make the game play better for a time being but keep in mind the maps if you played the game the maps are absolutely astronomically big and so the engagement factor that you have with with combat is just not there it's just empty um it, it's a very a very very strange release it was my most disappointing release of last year because i am a big battlefield fan but i gotta be honest guys but the way this team's talking, the way EA's talking about this game um, and what they've done to date, I, I don't see this game being salvaged. I don't know where Battlefield goes from here. Into the Anthem pile, maybe? That's where it's going. <laughs> well, so uh, they've got a problem, right? So, I mean, the big problem that they're addressing right now is that they sold content already. They sold content for a year. 
Um, and so this is, I, I tend to agree with your analysis. I, this is not a game I play, so let's get that caveat out of the way. I'm following it from afar, 30,000 feet, right? Uh, but if you've got a fundamental design issue, if you're realizing that the player base, the market that you sold to doesn't actually like the product that you made and you pre-sold a year's worth of developer effort into that market, you've got a big issue. Uh -huh. And so I think the reason you see a statement delayed as much as it was even until now is that they don't know what to say. They don't yeah. know exactly whether or not they should be thinking about refunding, which is just a huge amount of money for the people that bought the versions that have this content so that they could somehow not commit those resources. Right. You don't want to send good money after bad, but you already got that money. So this is the you, we say players have to worry about pre-orders on their side. This is the opposite of that. This is the publisher having collected money for pre-orders of I think. Is it four updates? Was it supposed to be quarterly uh, for their for their season pass? Well, it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And now deciding how to deal with that, because they now think that that's not actually going to make them the money that their ROI analysis would have said initially and figuring out what's the best way out. Um, yeah. And so what they did was they essentially stood pat, right? That statement is, so they're not going to come out. Um, we know if we don't give you anything, you people that bought it early, you're going to shout. We're going to try to give you a de minimis type of thing. I don't know what their cosmetics are, but they're, they're giving that to the people that Just are otherwise. Yeah. So they're giving those to the people that otherwise bought in early. And then what wouldn't surprise me, it depends on how you feel about Electronic Arts as an institution, but it wouldn't surprise me if you start to see um, what I would describe as de minimis compliance with the very specifics of what they said they would give you, right? So if you were supposed to get a map and a mode and these kinds of things, what you might start to see is, well, that map is smallish and doesn't have a lot of extra functionality. And that mode is something that was in a different battlefield that we yep. had the code for and we slap it on here as they try to mitigate what would otherwise be a more significant loss. And they don't know what to promise you because they don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I hear there. And, and you know, maybe that's too mean to electronic arts, not a phrase I say very often, uh, <laughs> but that's that's what I hear. This didn't go to plan and not to plan, not like it just missed its projections, but like it's an apocalypse. Like that's corporate messaging for this thing didn't work at all. Yeah. And when we pre-sold stuff to go onto it and that takes people, that takes time and that takes a lot of money to make. And so yeah. they're figuring out what they want to do. Yeah, and and Matt here, who uh, shout out to Matt, who's always hanging out with us. Uh, he's a massive Battlefield fan. We've talked okay. about the line. He plays Battlefield more qualified than me. <laughs> yeah, and, and as you know, he said they have a game that cannot be fixed easily. Um, and it's like I said, it, it seems almost fundamental. Um, it, I think you can't what, scrap what, it and start over though. To to Hoax point, you can't scrap it and start over when you sold the game and you sold the product and updates on that game content. and all that stuff. So. I well, think what's them individually, there's not like a collective bargaining unit to go talk to if everybody isn't happy. So yeah, I mean, like, right. what you want to do, what you want to do is you want to no man sky it. You want to say, okay, we're going dark and we'll be back. But yep. these people spent an extra, you said it was a buck 20 to buy the uh, whole thing. So it's another 60, they bought a second game. So yeah, so you've got a problem there. If you could somehow in a perfect world with your psychic communication say, Everybody that bought this, this is what we're going to do. Can, can you be satisfied with that? And then cash out only those that weren't and that kind of thing. You might do that. We don't live in that world. It's impossible to operate there. So they can't just put their heads down and go away and be Hello Games and then come back with something better. Um, yeah. 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 This is, is going to be a cautionary tale for how to deal with pre-orders and whether or not you should do it for a full year and that kind of thing as well. Yeah, I think uh, what I was going to say is I think what speaks most to 
how badly 2042 plays or has been kind of received is that within the package of 2042 is portal which basically allows you to play old battlefield battlefield 3 battlefield 4 like and on a few maps those though that mode is so much better to play than 2042 <laughs> like that, <laughs> that mode feels that hurts <laughs> yeah and it's like when i've played battlefield all i wanted to play was portal because it plays well um but 2042 is a disaster so uh, yeah i i just i wanted to mention this because i saw a lot of outrage about it as soon as they announced this it sounds pretty like, deserved yeah and, and big outlets were calling them out on this i mean we did but i mean much bigger outlets were calling them out is like what, you big. Guys, something um <laughs> but um yeah i don't know i guess we'll just track this as it goes and see um dan did you ever buy battlefield by the way i don't no, i don't think this one no. yeah not because of because of you know, yeah, the betas and alphas weren't good either. So. I saw it I mean, was everything. on sale for like twenty dollars, like a month after it came out. So I bought it, thinking maybe it would get fixed later on. So, yeah, sometimes you do that. Sometimes yeah. you see Anthem available for three ninety nine on the PlayStation Store, and you say, "Nah, you know, it is what it is." <laughs> yeah. we, we had a running joke for a long time on the show, Rick, about Anthem. We would mention Anthem two every single week for a long. Oh my time. God, dude! I, I. I uh, uh, I'm going to talk about going halfway halfway down the wrong path there, right? Yeah. You have you have social media posts about space pirates or whatever and all this other stuff, and then, nah. Yep. I know. <laughs> Very sad. So, last thing I want to mention. Still uh, have 20 bucks. Just throwing that out there. So. Dan still has $20 in Anthem credit. <laughs> Whoa, really? I wonder how they deal with that. That's crazy. The store's still open. You can still buy stuff. Yeah, you can you still play. buy stuff. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That game, I think they could have doubled down because people forget when Destiny launched, it was a, it was a flop basically. The first, yeah. the first yeah. one point It, I, I reviewed that game. I gave it a six out of ten. Like it, it did not do well. And uh, they, they, the, I think their thing was that they persevered, and at the time they were sort of the only company doing it, so they were able to pull it around. But you either, you either live long enough to see yourself become No Man's Sky two or you just give up and die. And I think EA is sort of uh, a, a give up and let it go uh, type of company, much like Google and the whole thing we're seeing with Stadia. So uh, yeah. I, EA has been suspect on the, on the margin yes. cases. Definitely. That's right. Very yeah. much so. So, I, the, the plans to your point about destiny, the plans that they laid out that Bioware laid out for 2.0, what they were going to do were really solid. I was very excited yeah. because they're, as we've said a million times and we're back on Anthem again, it's hilarious. Uh, the foundation for that game was fantastic, but um, it's a shame that we'll never get to see what it could have become, for sure. Yeah. Let me get the super chat from Mr. Captain Chats. Yeah, EA, uh, what's our, the four, is that euros? That's pounds. Pounds? That's pounds, That's pounds? okay, 449. Thank you, man. I have no idea. <laughs> Every week, he doesn't know the no pounds. Idea. So good. Yeah. Is it, what is it? All right, yeah. EA have missold a product. What's Hoag's take on this practice of selling undercooked, unfinished products? It's getting ridiculous. You know, I, I don't disagree with them here. It's, yeah. like, it's like there's there's so many blueprints out there, Anthem being one of them, of what not to do, and these companies continue to do it. And that's EA with you know as a publisher for both of those games. So it, it, it boggles my mind as well that. You know, we continue to get products put out, you know, and I understand COVID. I understand all this other side. I totally get, but why? And I also understand the, 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 the publisher and the, and the, the, uh, 
you know, people need to make money, and 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 I get all that. He's got to hit a certain quarter for. I'm not defending this. No, I'm 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 just prefacing that by saying like what what legal ramifications, or or are are there any ways that you know are they going to run into it? I guess that's a good question. You have 40 minutes. Go. Yeah, sure. Ahead. No. So one, in terms of 40 minutes, I got a number of videos on this in virtual reality, particularly if you want to look up Anthem, I've covered it in a couple of places, Fallout 76. Mm-hmm. You can go check out those kinds of things. But the long story short on this uh, is you aren't guaranteed a creative product that you like. So we have to separate that out, right? You're not guaranteed that when you go to the movie, you buy your ticket, you're going to have enjoyed your experience. You got to see a movie. Right. If the game is roughly what it says on the tin, we're going to have a lot of problems with doing something like false advertising, that kind of thing. If it doesn't have even the components that they said they had that you actually bought it on, that's when you start to get into fraud or false advertising or, or that kind of thing. Where I think a lot of people get tripped up is the, this is half cooked, this mode isn't well thought out, this map doesn't have the right flow, these kinds of things. Bad design, which is legitimately worthy of criticism, is probably not worthy of legal redress. Um, and I don't know because I don't play Battlefield 2042, how, how close to that line they are. Certainly when you give me statements that say we're readjusting our scoreboard, it suggests that there are fundamental problems with what they actually deliver to the player base that is their market. Um, but I don't know. Most of the time I will tell you, I, not quite knee jerk, but it's kind of a baseline. People ask me, is this false advertising? Can we sue? The answer is going to be no. Um, it has to be something quantifiable that's a lie that is against what they said. I mean, you can sue that product, but you won't which? Win. Oh, uh, yes. I, I have another anything. video. Yeah. I have another video on the yeah. channel that says anyone can sue anyone for everything. Uh, but whether or not you'll succeed is another is another question. And so, do you have a false advertising complaint? I'd have to see. I'd have to. It's all facts and circumstances. You have to see what they said, what was delivered, that kind of thing. Certainly they're walking the line with a delay, like what they're doing with what they promised, because probably I'd be willing to bet they sell that season pass and it says something along the lines of these will be delivered in 2022 um, or 2021 to 2022. And they, I, I noticed this when I go through the legalese, they, they don't always reserve like a lawyer would tell them to, which is like, we intend to deliver it then. Uh, it's projected to be out by then. They tend to be pretty definitive with that. It's going to come out in the next six months or next year because they know how to deliver DLC maps, right? I mean, like they know what that pipeline is. They just don't necessarily want to spend money on it right now. Uh, So long answer to your short question. (laughs) Assume it's probably a pretty difficult case to bring, but there can be cases where people walk across the line uh, and that's going to be facts and circumstances based as so many things are. Yeah, fair enough. Thank you for the super chat, Captain. Appreciate it, man. So last thing I want to mention today, guys, is uh, Nintendo, actually. Um, So if you missed the news, the Nintendo Switch is now the best-selling Nintendo console of all time. In in a recent report, it passed 103.5 million units sold, which passes the Wii at 101 million, their prior best-selling console. Pretty good generations between that one and the middle. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) And Nintendo is always kind of up and down like that. Um, but it's funny because you see the people, the older guys like myself, who are like, you know, who, who don't pay close attention to this. Like, well, didn't the NES sell like billions of consoles? And NES actually only sold like 52 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, people there weren't as many gamers. Time. Like, I feel like there's always, they're all, every <laughs> yeah. console is always going to outsell the last console because the market is exploding and there's so many more gamers uh, now. So we, like, you uh, would like to have a word with you, sir. Um, yeah, but that's what you get when you actually take risk with your consoles and experiment. Okay, they they have fair. hits and misses. So that's fair. Um, so the the this, this is 
you know, great news for Nintendo. We we talk all the time about how successful they've been. The Switch is obviously bombshell uh, runaway success. Uh, one question I want to pose to you guys: the the long standing um, statement has been that the PlayStation Two as a console will never be passed in terms of sales. It sold 155 million units. It sold for nearly 13 years. Um, it is it has far a very and interesting away. reason why, by the way. <laughs> it is far and away the best-selling console of all time, uh, home console of all time, right? So this week we learned the Switch is the Switch has been on this record pace for some time now, right? It's coming up on the fifth year of its uh, release since uh, March of 2017. So next month will be five years for the Switch. However, Nintendo said this week, which seems weird because we all know the issues with the hardware itself, but let's put that aside for now, that the Switch is not even halfway through its life cycle. Nintendo said that this week. So does it stand to reason? And do you believe we're going to place bets at this moment, fellas? Receipts for years to come. Will the Switch surpass the PlayStation 2 years from now as the best-selling console of all time. Does the OLED model count in that number? Yes. And so would a CPU, GPU upgraded Super Switch count in that number? That's where you start Good to question. get that's where you start to get hairlines, but let's let's assume yes. Then yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm buying yes. three as soon as they make a Super Switch available, I got three for this house. I thought <laughs> I thought it was going to be the end of last year. For no, sure. I mean seriously. Yeah. I have been prepped to buy more switches for a long time. I refuse to buy it at the current hardware configuration. The OLED wasn't enough. The next yeah. hardware pass, I'm getting three for my for, for me and my girls. Yeah. No uh, I, for every child that is born, a switch is sold. So I think <laughs> that, uh, yeah, it, it will definitely pass if, if it manages to stay confined within the same model. Uh, the PS2's ability to actually sell as many consoles as it did is actually a super interesting story that you can read about uh, in long form uh, things. But the, the actual uh, reason is because at the time, the PlayStation 2 was the single cheapest, most affordable way to get a DVD player at the turn of the century, the, the advent of the DVD player. And they were, yeah. you know, shipping those things out to like Africa and like, you know, countries yeah. that didn't have DVD players. And it just sold like crazy. And it kind of has nothing to do with games, but it, it holds that title. So I, I think the, oh, we remember. The, game, the, game, <laughs> the games industry is now big enough to where the, even that will probably be, be overcome by a console at some point. It really just depends on how long console manufacturers uh, insist on selling that same model of, of console. But it, it's kind of inevitable if, if they continue to just sell the Switch and not actually do like a hardware refresh of some kind. That's what I was going to say. It's going to be kind of a weird line to draw if they do like Switch Pro, but then come out with Switch 2. You know what I mean? Because Switch 2 would be a different console, whereas like a PS4 Pro, Xbox One X are considered the same I I think even right. Nintendo can read the writing on the wall here. Regardless of how you feel of generations being dead or not, there is a certain amount of you need to play the stuff I bought already uh, that is really coming into fruition with yes. both the PlayStation 5 and the Series X. And so I would be very surprised if Nintendo, and Tate, Nintendo very much surprises me all the time. So, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. But I would be very surprised if Nintendo didn't make essentially a Switch ecosystem that says the Switch Pro is going to run everything you bought on your Switch. It's just going to not be so dumpy. Um, and, well, I love my Switch, but I would love to be able to play, you know, Legend of Zelda without frame rate hitches every two seconds and something with a slightly higher resolution. I'm having such a good time playing Arceus with my daughter, yeah. but uh, you know, 
It would be great if we didn't have jagged edges on everything. Just yeah. little, yeah. just little things. Or if the open world was actually populated by more than like four bushes and a, t and a tree. <laughs> I like how they're crazy. Open world I mean, it's so. chill. I, I have no problem with how Arceus looks in an artistic direction, but I do have problem with the technology and the pop in and things like that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, our official word going forward for such things is going to be dumpy. So we're dumpy. We're dumpy. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. It's pretty good. Uh, later, <laughs> we'll try this. A little dumpy. I like it. <laughs> I'll be also be interested to see how um, Nintendo deals with the fact that the Switch was already behind the technology curve during the Xbox One PS4 era with the Switch. And now we're in the Xbox Series X PS5 era. And there's probably going to be, if they're only halfway through theirs, I would say that we're probably a good portion of the way through PS5 and Xbox Series X already before we get our first hardware refresh. It'll probably happen in the next three years. You got you to gotta imagine um, so that means that there's going to be even another leap forward before yeah. the switch is replaced. And I, I'm, I'm very curious how they're going to deal with that, given the fact that Arceus just came out. And the first thing people said about it was that it seems like the switch technology is holding that game back. And yeah, I mean, they're still selling like crazy, but it's, it's gotta be something they're thinking about. So. They don't care. They don't <laughs> well, because they're breaking in money hand over fist. Yeah. Why would you care? Yeah, yeah no. there, there's a place where they care, but yeah, they don't. They don't fundamentally care, and I, I that's to Nintendo's credit. You can't win the arms race against the two, so go a different direction and make your own arms. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Darn it, I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh. The only other thing is, obviously, it's not a direct competitor. I'm not meaning that here. But to your point, um, Travis, around, you know, it being kind of that first full portable console, the Steam Deck is about to arrive. And the Steam Deck is miles ahead in terms of hardware, uh, you know, capability. Um, like I said, not a direct comparison at all. But it, it is showing that the capability to build a handheld console like the Switch with much more power is there. Um, and the and the mobile the kind of mobile hardware that runs because that's what it's laptop it's mobile basically CPU GPU type uh, hardware is so much more advanced than where the Switch is nowadays uh, by miles and miles. But it, but it but it don't run Mario. That's all I gotta say. True. I think uh, that's True. always gonna be the differentiator. I don't think it'll outsell the Switch. I don't think. I think it's going to have a uh, a very high adoption rate at the beginning, and then people are going to start discovering that it doesn't actually play all the games in your Steam library because not all games can be played on a gamepad, and then it's going to be, you know, it'll probably lose momentum. Well, we'll see. I hope they surprise me. I, I did get I to can, use the Steam Deck. Just saying hey, that, you got yeah. your hands on the thing? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we did the uh, IGN first for that uh, console, so we nice. got to get on. No, I'm looking forward to it whenever. Uh, but yeah, it's super niche. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, uh, guys, that's going to wrap us up for today. Chat, you've been fantastic today. Thanks for being so engaged with us. Uh, if you haven't already hit that like button, please do. And um, coming up this week, so I said my seafood review is up. You can check that out. We're going to be doing a live stream of that and some guides and tips as well. Feel free, as always, to reach out to me on Twitter. Um, if you're playing the game and, and confused about something or just need some tips, I have a lot of time into it already. I'm happy to help. Uh, we also have a new series debuting on the channel later this week. It's up for patrons only right now. It'll be up for everyone. Uh, I want to say Tuesday or Wednesday. It's called For the Record. It is a series I'm doing with Carl from Season Gaming, who is our resident tech expert. Uh, very, very, very knowledgeable tech guy. And in this first episode, uh, what we do is break down the storage solutions for modern PCs, PlayStation 5, 
Xbox Series consoles. And we talk about things like sampler feedback streaming, direct storage, uh, uh, velocity architecture, all these things you hear from PlayStation and uh, Xbox around this technology and what it actually means to games. And we break it down for you, you know, uh, so that everyone can understand it. So it's a new series we're trying. We're going to tackle a range of different tech-related topics over, you know, months and months to come. Let us know what you think. I'd love to hear some feedback, um, but look forward to that, like I said, about the middle of the week. So with that, that's going to wrap us up. Travis, where can people find you, man? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at TagGuyTravis if you are a masochist. Um, you can watch <laughs> me on the uh, last word every Thursday at uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, um, and and uh, you can read my articles previews and reviews on IGN.com. Uh, this week I reviewed uh, Dying Light 2. Uh, I also have a preview for a game I can't talk about that's going live on February 10th. And I'm also reviewing this week uh, Far Cry 6's third expansion, uh, the the uh, J- Joseph Seed expansion uh, called Collapse. Um, so that review will probably be up uh, early this week. So that's me. Sweet. How about you, Hogue? Those games are goofy. I like them more. They are. They're goofy games. Anyway, yeah, I'll look forward to that one. Uh, Yeah, your masochist comment. I assume that's just because you're on Twitter, not not because we're listening to you. You do good stuff. Twitter is just a masochistic place. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you can find me, speaking of, on Twitter, uh, at Hoaglaw, uh, H-O-E-G-L-A-W. And I think more specifically for folks interested in these kinds of conversations, virtual legality at the Hoaglaw YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Hoaglaw. A lot of videos recently about uh, Bungie, Sony deal, a lot about various other things, big NFL lawsuits. Uh, We'd like to cover a lot of stuff in pop culture. So if you're interested in the business and law of the way the world works through the lens of the things you might otherwise be interested in, check us out over there, 100%. Appreciate it. Dan. See you next week. (laughs) 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 Thanks, as always, if you're listening us after the fact uh definitely uh give us a rating up on uh, apple Am- uh, i don't think amazon yet but apple or spotify we'd greatly appreciate it if you're enjoying this please let us know as always big cast this is your weekly gaming show covering all things xbox playstation nintendo and pc with industry and technical insight until next week see ya <laughs>